We are live. We are back. So we thought about it for four weeks, and we said we ought to do this, and we're bringing it back uh, with the podcast. I think the last time we did episode number eight was uh, July 8th. So it's been wow. a good four weeks since the next podcast. But it's good to be back here. I'm your host, Patrick Bet David, with my two friends here, Josh Fierstein and Adam Sosnick. Gentlemen, how do you feel about being back with the podcast? It feels good, man. We we had so many people on the on Instagram and in our DMs sliding into our DMs Ooh, saying, oh dude, gosh. when? Like, if they couldn't get a hold of Pat, they were trying to get a hold of us. Like, when's the podcast coming back? Adam, feels how you good feel to be it? back, baby. It feels good to be back. Sitting with my friend Joshua over here some, for some friendly debate. Sitting across from the man, PBD, a.k.a. Mickey Mantle today. Mickey Mantle today. Yes. Yes. Mickey Mantle, I spoke to a guy the other day who uh, wanted to buy my uh, Wayne Gretzky card. And he said, uh, uh, will you do it for $700,000? And it was the OPG rookie card, PSA 10. I said, I don't know if I'll do $700,000. I said, but I have interest in the Mickey Mantle 1952 PSA 10 tops. And he says, you know, an offer was uh, turned down of $12 million. I said, what is it if you want to buy a car today? What is it? How much is it going to worth? He says, you have to make an offer between 15 to $20 million to get one of the three Mickey Mantle PSA 10, Ooh. 52 tops. Think about that. That's the holy grail of cards. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to wear a Mickey how jersey you, today. Pat, how do you store a card like that? So just to give our, our uh, <clears throat> listeners a little bit of context, Pat is an avid card collector of all things that are, uh, well, valuable. Uh so I know that you obviously have one of the, what, two? One of the two, yes. Okay, one of the two rookie cards for Wayne Gretzky that's PSA 10, right? Okay, I don't know. What would you say, Sam? I'm able to see the screen through Oh, you're able to see the screen through the camera. Okay, I'm going to put How about that? This is good? Okay, I'm going to turn around so, a little bit like this so we can see the commentary because I want to see what Great appearance by Sam. Kind of a hot. Okay, was, uh, so how do, you, what, how do you store a card like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me get this chair up here. So, you know, there's many ways of storing a car like that. You either put it at the uh, 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 bank and you have a, uh, somebody at the bank that stores it, but sometimes people want to keep these cards and display them. Sure. They almost create a museum type of security with a safe where you get a chance to come and see it. But most of these guys, when they own a car like this, they don't keep it at the house. It's going to be at the bank or somewhere very, very safe, but especially one of these three cards. But let me get into the topics that we have today. By the way, First of all, it's good to be back with you guys. I know we got 135 watching today. Keep this in mind that we're doing it on this channel. So one of the things we're going to need your help with is to share this, to text it out, to put the thumbs up. The more thumbs up, the more shares. Any of these we get, uh, the podcast gets picked up, and we're able to continue this with the audience getting bigger and bigger. We got a lot of topics to talk about today. First of all, we have a strong debate on whether The Rock and Danny Garcia made the right decision buying the XFL for $15 million. And Adam's got a whole argument why even if The Rock goes full-time, drops everything, acting, movies, anything he does, there's no way in the world this is going to work out. I want to hear his argument. Uh, we're going to talk about the number one quality of an executive. You know, a lot of times people talk about what is the number one quality of an executive. Uh, you know, a lot of times I say hard work, guy that works on himself, good with people, relationships. But a number came out, a data came out on what is the number one quality companies when they hire executives, they look for. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about possibly 
a Netflix series that Josh is furious about, Ugh. The Big Push. Maybe we're going to talk about that. Oh. Mario was a fan of it. That Mario, was the Big Mouth. The, the big, big Mouth? The Big yeah, Mouth, big I think. Uh, the, the Big Mouth. That's yeah, the, the number one quality of a big executive. That's the number one quality of a big executive. We'll you talk gotta about, have about big Space push. Pod, TikTok, Microsoft, only have until September 15th. And a few other things that's taking place. Obviously, more uh, uh, Fauci stuff. And then you got the Hertz rental car. How about we start off with Hertz? I think I like this story here. So Hertz rental car is in such a bad position, right? Which I feel bad for these guys. Every time I go rent cars, I can't believe how cheap it is right now when I'm traveling. Hertz is putting 200,000 cars for sale, a major sale on their website. They own 200,000 cars. Nobody's renting them. They're not putting them to use. They're putting it on uh, sale. What do you think about Hertz going through this 200,000 cars they're selling, 200,000 cars they're selling? Is it a move to tell the investors, look, we just don't feel good about the future? Or is it just something to say, let's sell it right now, a year later, let's go back, buy more cars? What do you think's happening with Hertz? Less cars, less need for cars, more Ubers, more Lyfts, more ride sharing. Do you think 200,000 cars is a lot of cars in terms of the used car market? Like, is that a big number? Is it a small number? What do you think? What do you guys thought? Is that well, it's small. It's small when it comes to the used car market. But that, that was my question. Uh, was it's about 40% of Hertz current inventory. That's so a lot. The used car market is 40 million used cars. Yeah, but you have so to look at each year. But but that's that's kind of like you saying, you know, there is uh, uh, currently 200 million homes for sale in America or 100 million homes for sale in America, whatever the number is. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about how many homes, but say Josh is a big real big real estate investor. He's worth a couple billion dollars and he's got 40 percent of all his homes and commercial property for sale. There is a message there. Huge. If you're a billionaire, you're selling 40 percent of your you own a. Uh, hundred uh, percent of Tesla, you're selling forty percent of it. There's a message that's being so, made. So Hertz is selling forty percent of their cars. That's two hundred thousand cars. Is it something where they're making a message to say long term, I just don't think this model works, or is it just a setback and they're gonna come back stronger? So look, I don't think it's so much about Uber, rideshare and stuff. Look at where. Where do you always rent a car? You always rent a car when you go and fly into the airport. airport okay. When I flew in here, what was it like 10 or 12 weeks ago when Pat and I had one of our first meetings, I fly into the airport. The airport's absolutely empty. I rent from Hertz. And when I get down to Hertz, they say, hey, uh, now one, I got like the executive executive. Like I think I got the Infinity Q80 for like 65 bucks yeah, a day. And then they offer me and say, hey, uh, for a $20 upgrade, you can take one of our dream cars, which is like their 800-horsepower Hellcat that's yellow and black yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, if that that alone should tell you, like, the place was dead empty. So airports, airlines are all going to take a hit, which means Hertz is going to take a hit, which means they're either going to have to reinvent themselves somehow or they're going to have to cut a whole lot of fat. Well, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is the following. Here's what I'm trying to get into. Okay. So Hertz Enterprise, any of these uh, uh, companies that uh, rent cars, right? Is that business model done? Because you have to ask the question. I mean, he's bringing up Uber and Lyft, right? So is the business model done of having to rent out cars where, you know, I'm talking to Daniel DiMartino Booth, and I said, so tell me about the travel industries. What's going to happen to the travel industry, right? You're talking about American Airlines, all these other guys, which, by the way, American Airlines is on the break of a bankruptcy right now. Not just the kind of bankruptcy where they go bankrupt, United comes and buys them out. Bankruptcy, we're gone. We're not in existence. Nobody buys us out. 
She said there are some industries that's going to take generations to recover. Generation to recover, right? Travel being one of them. Do you think rental car industry is done done for a generation? Or no, it's just a one-year hiccup, they come back? I think, I think if things are completely changing, completely, in every industry, right? I mean, every single industry is changing. So let's just take the taxi cab industry for, for as an example, just a, a, as an analogy. The writing was on the wall for years and years and years. Hey, people aren't really happy with the taxi industry. People aren't exactly, you know, you call, you, you get some random person on the phone. Yeah, they'll be there in 10 to 15 minutes. They didn't adapt. Then what happens is a uh, revolutionary company like Uber or tech, a major disruptor uh, or a Lyft comes in, major disruptor comes in that, that, that tech uh, Uber and uh, taxi industry now dead, nail in the coffin. So the writing's been on the wall for rental cars for some time now. All right, we got to change. We have to adapt. If they don't do something, if they can't, here's my ultimate point. You can't continue to, to operate like you normally have. If you're not adjusting, if you're not adapting, if you're not seeing the writing on the wall here, we'll be writing the obituary for Hertz in no time. Have you ever used uh, an, an app like Turo? Okay, so Turo is an app where you can go. They should be one of our sponsors since we're shouting them out. But Turo is an app that you can go. It's basically like an Uber for rental cars, and you just rent people's car that's, you know, in that city. So you can get a, like, I've I've used Turo. You can get a Maserati for like 100 bucks a day. That's way less than you're going to get it. You know, but again, that goes back to the point. That goes back to yeah, it's that, dead. It's, it's dead. dead. So that's the point. Yeah. You guys got to realize this. Could, the, the, look, do you remember back in the days? When I say back in the days, I'm talking about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when we bought newspapers for a living. You didn't have things like this. Yeah. On the desk right now, there'd be a Wall Street Journal, an L.A. Times, a New York Times. You would be reading the paper. I'm reading the sports section, right? Of course. And then they said, print's going to be gone. We used to do business with this one. Uh, we still do business with them. Great company out of Glendale, California. The owner's an Armenian guy, four over. Does a phenomenal job. Shout out to this guy. Does a We met with him multiple times. Like how they were doing business. During that time, we were looking at all these different business models. And they said, magazines in a whole different direction, prints in a whole different direction, newspapers going a whole different direction, all of these things. Could this be the next newspaper? Could, could rental, rental car, car business be the next newspaper? Think, One of the next I newspapers? I think there's always going to be a need to, yo, I don't have a car, I need to rent a car. Yeah, but I that's rent Uber and Lyft, though. That's the part right not, there. Not, Uber and Lyft is if you need uh, something for the day. If you need a car for the weekend, there's always going to be a market for what that. What do you think, Kai? You think it's uh, uh, there's going to be a need for Hertz and uh, Enterprise? Or you think that model's completely going to be gone? I think there's guys. Major, what do you guys think? If you're, if, you're, if you're watching this right now, how many of you guys rent a car? And if you do, who do you rent it from? And are you planning on continuously renting? If you're watching this right now, are you saying moving forward, I think I'm going to be go, going away from this? The, the reason why this is so important is because over the years, I work with a lot of guys that work for enterprise or they work for Hertz. And by the way, if you work for enterprise and you move up in enterprise, you can make $150,000, $200,000, $300,000 a year. There is a development process that they have at enterprise that they create great jobs, great high-paying jobs. These are not small jobs that they're paying $40,000. If you're a great salesperson, great sales manager, you got a great career with enterprise long-term, right? So you're talking about a lot of people right now that are relying on this business model that have to be looking elsewhere. But I'm just curious. I'm, by the way, a lot of people are saying enterprise uber only no renting i don't think so i rent from avis always renting cars for vacations only renting cars when i'm on vacation uh uh interesting to see what different people are talking about this okay cool let's go to the next topic next topic is this TikTok. okay 
we all obviously we've talked about TikTok before multiple times, but this is slightly different. The reason why this is different is because Trump is, I think, on Air Force One. A mm -hmm. reporter is asking him a question, saying, "Hey, what do you think about TikTok?" He says, "I'm planning on banning them." Then the article comes out saying TikTok's about to be banned based on what Trump said. Then he changed his mind a couple of days ago. I think the CEO of Microsoft called him and they had a conversation together saying we want to be able to buy Microsoft. Then Trump says you have till the 15th, September 15th, to make the sale happen, right? Now they're in the middle of it. The whole scandal that's taking place with TikTok, China, and U.S. and Trump, what are your thoughts about it? Let me just ask you, ladies and gentlemen, do you remember a couple of months ago when a bunch of stupid little TikTokers decided that they were going to troll Trump? They were going to troll him by getting a bunch of famous TikTokers together, and they all said what? Let's hijack his rally. Look, you piss off the Trumpster, and he's going to get his ultimate revenge. Do you know how much they were crapping their little pink little panties when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump says, we're going to ban TikTok, okay? All of you little no-talent, little Kim Kardashian wannabes are going to have to find something else to do. And, bro, they were going insane. But really, I think it was Uncle Donnie just reminding a bunch of little TikTokers, look, you don't have flipping power. I'm the president, but I have to actually recant. There's not many times I say I'm wrong. All right. Patrick knows this about well, I'm, me. I'm all ears at this point, buddy. Go ahead. I said I was not necessarily in favor of Trump using executive power to ban TikTok. But the more I went down the rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen, the more that I realized that China has a big old straw in the data of the United States of America, sucking it into its proverbial atmosphere, being able to generate data on America's young people. I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I should have listened to Patrick from the beginning. China is doing a very, very bad thing here. And Trump is one of the only guys that has big enough watermelons hanging between his legs that he's willing to say, hell no, we're not going to let this happen. I mean, how do you follow that act? Whatever <laughs> the hell that was. I mean, how, what, what was but, that? But by the way, it's yeah. actually a pretty good point to, to, to think about the fact that they try to troll this guy. Yes. And so, what, 800,000 people? And then the, the, the arena was somewhat a little bit empty with some seats on the A little bit empty? Okay. Yeah. But a bit po empty. The point yeah. is, you do that to me, here's what I will do to you. Yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, let's just look at both sides of the coin. Obviously, Trump doesn't forget anything, anyone that, you know, you, oh, you uh, try uh, me, TikTokers? Uh, yes. let, me, let, me, let me mess with your livelihood and your dance. He's got the little bit of the Michael Jordan grudge syndrome. You know, in the whole you, last you dance. You think that's a little bit? Would, yeah. Well, Michael said, I don't know why. I hold grudges. You yeah. know, it is what it is. Trump, but go ahead. Believe me, I, I, I totally agree with Josh. Th that's on his mind. The TikTokers in Oklahoma, they, they told people to register and not show up. Um, that, that was a TikTok. I think we got to look at this other side of the coin. You know, there's, um, you know, the average age of TikTokers, I think, are between 16 and 24. There's 40 million people uh, of that age, 40 million users in the USA. So I understand why Trump would want to, A, look tough on China and, and naturally do something that would probably help American uh, security by banning TikTok. There's probably some rationale in it. So there's a little bit of rationale against China being tough on China. Maybe that's metrics. Maybe that's actually being tough on China. Um, maybe there's a little vendetta against TikTokers. What he has to be careful of is, and I don't know, I mean, Josh, your thoughts. How many TikTokers are going to say, oh, Trump wants to take us away. Now let's you, we, you saw the, the power that we had messing up his Oklahoma yep. rally. Yep. Now, you know what? Let's all the TikTokers were voting against Trump. That's millions and millions of first time 
voters saying, hell no, we're not voting for Trump. He's taking our TikTok away. These are the things that 18-year-olds care about. Oh, but so, let me ask you a little question, Adam. Let me take you back to the schoolyard, bend you over my knee, and give you a little spank and a little patty on the little booty. Let's be the Trump defender. Let's hear it. Let's you hear remember it. <laughs> when your mama used to tell you, that ain't good for you, Adam. Okay, Adam, you shouldn't smoke dope. Hey, Adam, you my, shouldn't My do dad this. encouraged me to smoke marijuana, but go ahead, guys. <laughs> That's a Look, there's times that our parents tell us to do stuff or not do stuff that is not good for us that we like at the moment. What we have is a bunch of little 15 to 20-year-olds that love TikTok because they're getting a little bit of fame for doing nothing. Do you want to, do you want to know why TikTok's algorithm is so uh, generous to everybody? Because China doesn't care subsidizing TikTok because, as General Spaulding said right here on Valuetainment, they have a 50, a 100, a 200-year plan in China, and they're looking at America's youth and saying, give us all of your data. And when you realize how valuable data Data is when you realize that they are harvesting data that they know every little thing about you that these little 15 to 20 year olds are surrendering their autonomy and their data for what a little TikTok fame then you start realizing that they are a huge huge threat to America Patrick bet David What's your well, let me just weigh in here, Joshua, and I'm going to start talking like you to prove my point here. I think it's a little rich of you, Josh, for you to come at these TikTokers when, oh, hold on. How Joshua become famous by being a Facebooker, by being a Facebook TikToker? You were, do you were, you were the original TikToker. So you have these 16 and 18 and 21-year-old kids getting quote-unquote TikTok famous. Josh, that's how you became a known person. Oh, okay, buddy? Hold so on, brother. Don't be making fun of what the new generation is, is working on, on and what they love when that's exactly how you ended up on this podcast, buddy. Oh, let me tell you the difference between what I did and what these little TikTokers are doing. Is they can dance and you ain't got no dance moves. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear I it. I wasn't dancing, showing my boobies, twerking, or any of that mm. stuff for a little bit of fame. You want to know how I got 4 billion video views, Adam? It's because I went deep down the rabbit hole of psychological thought, and when people went with me, they said, oh, yeah, brother. So if you want to know the difference between me and a bunch of little TikTokers, it's because I was illuminating people's mind. I was revelating. I was educating. I was doing all of the, so the stuff that Sauce Talks Money wants to do. I agree with that. Well, let's just let's just uh, let's just call it even here. I want to get Patrick. Some take. of these TikTokers no, um, there's a, there's a do couple. have talent. There's a couple. So let's not try, try them. Go ahead. One uh, 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 for full transparency, TikTok's the only app I've never used. I've never used TikTok. I've never logged on. I don't use it. We set it up one time just to see what it was like. I'm like, I'm not going to use this thing here. Why? Because I'm not comfortable with uh, this whole uh, thing that's going on with uh, China. You know, it's funny with China. We got a uh, uh, we got a strange requ strange request. I'll say this part. I'm not going to give all the details, but I think we were all on the conference call and we got on the call and uh, the call was, hey, we would like to see Pat. Uh, uh, I was in Palm Beach when he sent me the text. He said, yep. these guys want you to speak for $300,000. A, a total of six hundred. A total of $600,000 for me to go to China. For, so I get a contract. To give a 15-minute speech. To give a 15-minute speech for $300,000. And, you know, meet a lot of dignitaries, go do all this other stuff, and then give $300,000 to charity of the $600,000. So I keep $300,000. $300,000 goes to this uh, charity. Let's just leave a name out there, whatever the name you want to call it. And the whole setup was behind a very powerful billionaire, right? So I said, okay, 
this sounds noble. It's a charity. Let me see what's going on. What's the motive behind it? Young entrepreneurs, et cetera, et cetera. Great. So I call a few different people that we know that are connected to China. And I said, hey, yeah, what's, what's going on here with China? You know, what is the story with uh, uh, China? What should I know? Should I be worried about this? Because I'm actually thinking about it. You know, let me see what's going on. You know, we wouldn't mind going out there and kind of learning a little bit about what's going on with their politics. This person here, okay, who is very well connected with politics, sends me a message. He says, I don't know if you've seen this article or not. Kai, can you go to this article? It's Fortune magazine titled, If You're Reading This, Beijing says its new Hong Kong security law applies to you. I think it's very important for people to say this. If you're reading this, Beijing, B-E-I-J-I-N-G. This is very important. Click on this, see if it'll come up right there. Okay, check this out. Click on it. This just came out, by the way, uh, um, less than a month ago. Close the top subscribership. We're not going to subscribe right now. Maybe we'll think about it. Yeah. You, you can't close that, can you, with the cookies? We're going back at it again. All right, well, then don't worry about it. Just go down. Okay, so check this out. Okay, you go, had it. Go buddy. back to the article. There it Ch is. Check this out. So this comes out. It's 38 articles seems to give the national security law, NSL, boundless reach. The text states that the NSL, in addition to covering anyone in Hong Kong, regardless of nationality or residency status, also applies to offenses committed against Hong Kong from outside the region by a person who is not a permanent resident of the region. Let me read this one more time. I, I don't know if you caught that part as well, folks. Pay, pay attention to what it says here, okay? This applies to offenses committed against Hong Kong from outside the region by a person who is not a permanent resident Ooh. of the region. So let's just say I say something offensive to Hong Kong or China. Okay, mm -hmm. I they can hold me accountable even though I'm living in America to commit a crime. And this individual who's heavily involved in the military, 30 years, very experienced, said they can take you to jail and keep you there for life. So which means if you fly out there, you land, you said some bad things about China, they can potentially keep you there. Now, I don't know how much credibility there's behind this, but here's what I can tell you. Steve Kerr, whom I'm a very big uh, uh, fan of on the style he coaches, right? He just came out yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and he said he was wrong on the comments he made about China, okay? So he changed his position. By the way, respect to him for doing that because wow. he was defending China. He says, I'm all for freedom of speech. I'm all for this. You're seeing the NBA kind of change their position that they had, right? Right. Look, I I'm sticking to this one part. I don't care what China wants to do with U.S. You want to do business with U.S. I swear to God. If Trump doesn't pull this up or Democrats don't pull this up, Republicans don't pull this up, somebody in the White House have that the guts to pull this up. We are not doing any business with you at all. No travel, ban on everything until you allow Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, NBC, CNBC, Fox, MSN, BBC, unless you allow everybody there where we can go. What do you call it? Uh, uh, citizens uh, journalists? Citizen journalism. And I can go on Facebook and see citizens of China walking around with their Facebook Live. We're not doing any business with you, China. It'll never and, happen. But by the way, here's right. the point. No problem. It'll never happen. No problem. Say it'll never happen. But if U.S. puts the pressure on the Chinese citizens to say, what the hell is the matter with you? Let them have Facebook, YouTube, Twitter in here. We're getting crushed. We don't have any business. We don't have anything taking place. So for me, even though this whole TikTok deal they're giving them until September 15 to go buy TikTok. I still don't trust it. I still don't trust it because hackers and technology folks, we, own, we know what happened this week with some of the hackers. Hackers and folks who designed this technology 
of course they're going to have the people that are connected. Because if you buy TikTok, who are you buying? When you buy a company, who do you buy? When somebody buys PHP, who are they buying? All of its in, all, all of its intellectual property. What else are you buying? All of its people. All everything. of its yeah, people. Of so if you buy a company, you're buying all of its people, and the people are what? Believers of whatever the regime was prior to you. This is why when a new company, for instance, if an AIG or a Nationwide or a Sears brings new management in, the new management, the first thing they do is what? What's the thing that management does? They, they talk with the people. Let's talk they to the talk people. They talk to the people. Up. They fire some of the people that are from the past regime. They replace them with their own people that they're bringing on board. You buy TikTok. You don't think there's going to be people there that are working at TikTok that are from oh. the old regime that are true believers too? For sure. I don't buy it at all. So for me, I hope this deal doesn't take place. I hope this doesn't become a reality. And by September 15, they can't come up with a deal. And TikTok never does business in the U.S. Let me ask you this, Pat. Do you think that China made a huge mistake with the coronavirus? And uh, it seemed like at one point, a lot of the sentiment around the world was kind of anti-U.S., okay? And, I, and you know, of course, China's trying to build a lot of these alliances and stuff. Do you think by them allowing coronavirus to escape China and them uh, lobbying the World Health Organization in order to make sure that that flights would stay open so it could cripple other people's economies. Do you think it now has actually made the U.S. more of a world superpower and actually strengthen us to where we could actually take China down economically? I, I don't know if it's strengthened us, but I think here's what's happened. This is what's taking place. So you're at a nightclub, okay? You have a guy that you and him had beef for years. You couldn't trust the guy, right? And he's a, he's a scumbag, okay? Everyone knows he's a dirty scumbag, but... He's got money, and he's got girls. So people are around him because he's got money and he's got girls, right? He's got all the right drugs. Okay, In nightclubs, this is a, the guy with the best ecstasy, the best drugs, typically has everybody that wants to be their friends. You've been in that world for yeah, a while. Of course. Miami, you know how it is. You they, hang out with scumbags because they're doing something for you. Because they got money, girls, drugs, and so they provide that for you, right? Of course. But behind closed doors, everybody hates this guy, right? right? So imagine this is the guy that everybody hates. This is you. Now, there's three other guys that you don't like because they're enemies of yours, right? You've had beef with them. The moment this guy breaks a promise with everybody and screws everybody over, these three officially became a little bit closer to you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if U.S. became a stronger superpower. What I do think happened is the trust level from countries that didn't trust America trust America a little bit more. Now, they don't fully trust them. Believe me, not everybody around the world trusts America, sure. and the trust factor is not high because anytime you're number one, you're involved with military, all this other stuff, people are not going to trust you. But I do agree that some of the countries that didn't, now they're trusting. Here's the other part that I also think takes place, which is even bigger. What do you got? You got mic issues or, or uh, uh, guys, this guy disconnected, so if he can come help him out. So the other thing that's an issue is the following. Here's the other thing that's an issue that's even a bigger issue for China. Anytime something like this happens, I'm a fan of capitalism. Okay, yesterday I'm at Michael Rapatoni's place. By the way, shout out to Rapatoni. Rapatoni, the guy we got the TV for, Great he opened name. it up. I got a haircut yesterday. I went to him. By the way, his barbershop, this is exactly how it is. You got 15th Street in East Plano, okay? Here's him. Here's the barbershop that's been there for 100 years. <laughs> he set up his shop across, and when I tell you across the street, I mean across the street. And this guy, that's $18 cuts. Michael's like, I don't do $18 cuts. I do $35 cuts. This guy has Different one market. chair. Michael has three chairs. This guy gives free haircuts to mayors, and he does 50% off for cops, firefighters, all that other stuff. 
Michael's like, I can't do that. I'm running a business here, right? But Michael said his customers are all 70 plus. He says, I'm going to put a sign outside my door saying, free haircuts for anyone above 70. <laughs> and I'm going to put this guy to business, okay? Say he does that. I don't know if he's going to do it or not, but let's just say he does. I'll, Michael's a creative guy. got his back. He's a solid guy. The best thing about what happened with China, who benefits the most about what happened with China? You know who benefits the most with what happened with China? Small economies, smaller countries. It's like Walmart going out of business. Who wins? Yeah. That yeah. small little shop in Fresno wins. That small little shop in Toledo wins. These small little countries like Czech, they're going to get contracts. Armenia, they're going to get Manufacturing. Yes. Yep. Indonesia. These other countries are about to get a lot of business. So it's not necessarily America winning. I foresee 60, 70, 80 countries winning mm -hmm. because of what happened with China. You're saying that your enemy's enemy is your ally, and with that's essentially what's happening. Small businesses are going to win. Small businesses are going to win. So that's the part with TikTok. Anyway, let's go to the next part here. Let's go to the XFL. Mm. Okay, let's talk about this because this mm -hmm. is, I know, something you're very excited about. Not really, you know, though, but you, go ahead. You, yeah. <laughs> so, so Rock buys XFL for $15 million. Now, XFL, Vince McMahon, the whole nine, they tried it. Exciting. Some people like it. Some people mm -hmm. never seen it. But $15 million, himself and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, okay, they go buy the league, XFL, for $15 million. You're saying even if Rock goes full-on, full-time on this, this is not going to work out. Tell us why. So uh, the XFL, I mean, uh, I guess I'd, I'd like to know how many people out there in our audience have watched the XFL. It's a good question. How many of you have watched XFL? Or even better, how many of you have been to an XFL game? Yeah, how many have been to an XFL game? Because if you've been to a game, don't plan on going anytime soon because uh, you might not even get to yourself into an NBA game, MLB game, or NFL game anytime soon much less a random-ass XFL game. So, by the way, uh, his I didn't realize that Danny Garcia, they went to University of Miami together, is yep. his ex-wife. By the way, she could be a linebacker in the XFL. Have you seen a picture She's of this lady? She's a professional bodybuilder. She is she a compete. massive, oh, yeah, strong. She is. Yeah. She's basically the female version of The Rock. So those two might be the starting inside and outside linebacker, uh, much like the uh, Return of the Titans. But um, remember the Titans. I'm just – the only chance the XFL – has is if the rock goes all in on this and even then i'm not sure if i'm i'd be too excited for the XFL. 15 million dollars is what 10 percent of what the rock made even last year 124 okay so not less than 15 he didn't even spend 15 million dollars on this this is the, we can use the dana white analogy he bought the ufc for what two million dollars and yeah. kind of like what you mentioned yesterday he went all in he lived breathed and died ufc he's brought that up to a multi-billion dollar platform probably the biggest fighting platform in the world right now bigger than boxing um there was no major competitor to ufc as an example who's the major competitor to ufc boxing a little bit but you know the major competitor at xfl is the nfl i don't see talent leaving the nfl to go to basically the minor leagues of football I just don't see it. I don't see uh, crowds showing up. I don't see people buying tickets. I have a different perspective. I'm Go curious ahead. to know what he's going to say. Well, I'm so glad you asked because this violates your ideology, violates one of the principles that Patrick preaches, and it's this. Sometimes it's okay to be the second guy. It's okay to have a smaller market share as long as you don't go away look at lyft and what happened with lyft lyft hung around long enough 
for Uber to make one big mistake. The XFL is coming. Look, they yes, they've been around a while, and they've hung through it, and they've relaunched over and over. But guess what? The NFL is making mistakes. When players start kneeling and start being stupid, the, the one thing I could say about The Rock, The Rock seems like a pretty patriotic guy. He's a guy that is not going to be really big on people kneeling. He's really big on the flag. He's very pro-America. And what I think could happen is, and I talked to one of my friends, Rick Cat, who uh, who has played ball, one of one of the great defensive ends over at ASU, and he told me he said, Josh, the difference between the guys in the NFL and the guys that are going to be in the XFL are very minute. We're talking about milliseconds. We're talking about something you're not going to see on camera. These are really grade A players. It all comes down to marketing, and here's what's going to happen: good red-blooded American males. Good, hardworking, work for every paycheck kind of guys are going to get tired of watching a bunch of overpaid sissies kneel on the American flag. And what are they going to do? They're going to go right all over to the XFL. And if the XFL can get hotter cheerleaders, if they can get different camera angles, if they can get more pyrotechnics, and in 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 regards to companies that have failed, what about the UFC? Wasn't the UFC Pat? Wasn't that a huge flop? Until Dana White took it over? Yeah. Because but, but, there's, but there's a difference, though. Talk to me. There's a difference, though. And by the way, a lot of people are saying never, never, never. David uh, Kurechian said never. Uh, Kyle says, I don't even know what XFL is. <laughs> Gabriel Dynasty Sal says, I have not. A bunch of people are saying never. One guy said, Roughnecks Champs, uh, Sen uh, Senor Fire Pony. Pretty nice uh, username right there. By the way, click thumbs up or share so we can see if we can crack this to 1,000 People watching this, it's on a small podcast with 3,000 subscribers. We're now doing it on the main channel. But let me give you an idea about the XFL and how this could work. If it were to work, this is how it could work, okay? So a few things to keep in mind. Years ago, one of my investors, Gabriel Brenner, bought the Houston Dynamo for $35 million, okay? Mm. I'm, I wasn't an MLS, MLS guy, and nobody was an MLS guy except for a few people that understood the most popular sport in the world is what? Soccer. Soccer. And, and, and our immigrants that are coming to America, these immigrants are coming from countries who love what? Soccer. Does that make sense? So you got 41 million immigrants coming to America, living in America. The sport we grew up playing, I've never played basketball until I came to U.S. I've never held a basketball until I came to the U.S. First time I held a basketball, I was 12 years old. Wow. But with soccer, day I was born, there was a soccer in my house, okay? Play, we played badminton, we played soccer, we played ping pong. If you ask immigrants, they probably played badminton, they probably played ping pong, and they probably played soccer, right? My mom was a ping pong champ in her in, uh, when she was playing for her age. She was very good at ping pong, right? Okay, what's the point here? She buys it, uh, they buy it for 35 million bucks. Right now, you couldn't buy Houston Dynamo for 200 million dollars. You'd have to pay 300 million dollars to make to buy Houston Dynamo. Why? Because they're feeling the future of MLS is going to blow up, okay? These guys are going to come over here. Someone's going to get a big contract. Boom, game over. You saw Zlatan came over here, opening game, hat trick. Boom, L.A. Oh, my gosh, crazy. He's talking shit. L.A. loves him. Oh, so people are now wanting to play for teams like this. Okay. You realize the XFL, they bought it for $15 million. Mm -hmm. First of all, let's not forget, the league was bought for $15 million. Let Ridiculous. me say this one more time. Of course. Ridiculous. For $15 million. Nothing. Now, the only way this will work, this is my opinion, I could be wrong, but this is my business model on how I think it could work. The model of trying to do everything, so you have to look at what NFL is doing wrong or right to some people, and you have to do the opposite. For example, 
let's just say, let's just say, if the NFL is all about kneeling is okay, if the NFL is all about all of those things are okay during the national anthem, if Roger Godel has said, dude, it's too much pressure, man, we got to make sure we do this. Guess what Dana White has said? Here's what Dana White said the other day. This is Dana White's style of leading. I don't know if you want to pull it up. You got to pull this up. It's going to take you a while to find it. Dana White gets up. See if you can find it. Dana White gets up and he says, I swear to God, if one athlete of ours touches a referee, says anything to a referee, you're fired. You will never work for me. Let me say this one more time. Says a second time. If a player touches a referee, approaches a referee, because Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy is a legendary fighter, approaches one of the referees, there's a dispute. He says, he says have you had a conversation with Dan Hardy? He says, I'm having it right now. Meaning, he's watching this right now. He's going right. to hear about it. If you touch a referee, you have, you have shit coming your way, right? What's the moral of the story? Dana White's style is not NFL style. NFL style is, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. Oh, no, no, a peace, conform. Dana White style is, you don't want to fight here? Go elsewhere. Good luck to you. You don't want to hear? Go to the other place. We don't care if we lose you. NFL doesn't have that system. NFL system is we're afraid if we lose you. Rock's model to work doesn't fit his personality. This is the challenge with Rock. Rock is the all-American, loved by everybody, doesn't want to do anything wrong, is a guy that is so concerned about people loving him because that's just his – M.O., that's how he is. He's the guy that off camera, he's a, he can be a dickhead. He can be a guy. He can talk shit. He can do all that other stuff. The moment camera comes on, you know, hey, you know, this is cool. the, the, the act comes out, right, that I have to be this proper guy because it's a brand. But if Rock wanted to, Rock knows how to be a Dana White, and Rock, Rock knows how to be a Vince McMahon. But if he goes that approach, he's going to lose some of his audience, and that's going to have to be a decision he'll have to make. But if he does take that route, let me put it to you this way. If I was hired as a consultant at XFL, I wouldn't say yes because I'm, I'm, I'm not proposing this. I'm saying if I was hired for XFL as a strategist behind closed doors, I will put together a plan exactly how for them to do it and how to make this brand a multi-billion dollar brand to go up against NFL and take a blue ocean strategy that's a model that nobody's thinking about and compete. And this $15 million can at least turn into $2 billion within five years, which 15 into 2 billion is massive. Is two billion NFL status? Absolutely not. But is two billion a hundred times what they invested into it? Yes, it is. That's called return in five years. So you can't look at it from the perspective of, okay, you cannot apologize for that. You don't ever put your effing hands on uh, or your feet on a referee for any reason whatsoever. You need to be buried. He needs to be buried. He puts his foot on his ass to push him. There's never, ever a situation where you put your effing hands on a referee ever. This is Dana White. Now, imagine, you say that the fighters are like, dude, listen, man, this guy protects his referees. Mm -hmm. Versus the NFL, well, you know, well, we have to understand. No, Dana White doesn't say we have to understand. I don't understand you. You're fired. So if they take that position, I think this is a great investment. If they take an approach from constantly wanting to confirm, please, everybody, it'll be a flop and it'll go away in no time. I actually think that that's one of the reasons that the UFC has been super successful as well as super profitable is even when everyone's coming around uh, Dana White for a pay raise and they try to unionize and stuff, what does Dana say? Yo, I'm the UFC. Like, <laughs> if you want to go fight somewhere else, go fight somewhere else. But as of right now, I'm the flipping UFC. And he takes this no-apology approach, and people respect it. I, uh, you know, to, to uh, your, your point – I think that the NFL and the NBA have given in so much to, especially these commissioners, to wanting to be liked by the players. Dude, that I, I tell you, I tell you a crazy stat here for you to be thinking about. Can you tell me what is a number two selling jersey last week in all of NBA? 
Let's say Jonathan Number Isaac. two jersey? Jonathan Isaac is the number two selling jersey in all of NBA last week. Who is Jonathan Isaac? He's a bench warmer for Orlando. He is right. a bench warmer for Orlando who got hurt in the second game after he didn't kneel. But he didn't kneel. But he didn't kneel. Right. His jersey is the number two selling jersey in the NBA wow. behind LeBron James. LeBron number number one. two. LeBron. LeBron's number one, number two, Jonathan Isaac. What does this tell you? What does it tell you, though? What does it tell you? This is the biggest thing. Dana White spoke at the RNC. Okay, Dana White spoke at the RNC. He got up on stage and spoke at the RNC. You think The Rock would speak at the RNC? No, no. chance. No chance, okay? Dana White got up and he says, I'm pro-Trump. You think uh, uh, Rock would do that? No chance, because he ruins his Hollywood career. And by the way, I understand it. But if, but if, but if Dana, but if Rock actually took out the politics, Rock mm -hmm. and Trump are more alike than he knows. It's him, it's Dana, it's Vince McMahon, it's Trump. These guys are promoters. These are marketers. They understand marketing. If XFL took that position, it'd be a multi-billion dollar brand because now there's a bunch of fans who are furious with the NFL looking for an option too. It's such a... If Jonathan Isaac, who averages less points than I did when I was <laughs> six years old in Iran playing no basketball, he's the number two sell on Jersey just because he made took a stand That's and wild. took all the criticism, XFL could do that as well. I actually heard someone call him a sellout, and I said the only thing that's going to sell out is his jersey. That's exactly right. By the way, do you have it or no? Does, does it show the Jersey sales? Oh. Go, go pull up the Jersey sales for Jonathan Isaac. So that's what I would say about... XFL. So now let's see what, what next topic what next topic do we want to touch up on. Let me pull this up here to see what else we got going on. Uh, uh, Virgin Galactic. So the question for the XFL is just to recap this. When's the first time they play a game? Well, first he, time. Here's what they said. They said, first of all, they're not playing a single game until they get major sponsorships, which is yeah. the right way of thinking. They're not even wanting to go out there. Now, you got to realize major sponsors want their names to be tied to The Rock. It's that simple. They want the name of Rock being uh, uh, with them, but mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be coming out with XFL unless they have a massive. This is a long-term investment. Of course, this is not. This is not happening in 2021. Let me put it to you this way: if, right. if sports was something you love and you had a platform, 15 million dollars for the XFL is not a bad investment. It's but whatsoever. He didn't even put up 15 million. I think he split course, that with a couple different investors. At that point, nothing. nobody puts up numbers like that. Yeah, Magic nothing. got five percent of the Dodgers, not for putting up the money. He just said, "I'll show up to games." So totally. Okay, so that's that part. What do you guys want to cover next? What do you want to cover next? I said we talk Virgin Galactic because I think this is a big story. Tell us about it. Why don't you take the lead on that? Okay, so Virgin, you guys know Virgin Airlines, Richard Branson, the billionaire investor, the the absolute genius of the airways, is um, and uh, like he really is a brilliant marketer, very very brilliant marketer. He just signed a deal with Rolls Royce, uh, in which they're going to start purchasing engines from Rolls Royce because they're going to launch Virgin. I think it's called Virgin Galactic or Virgin, yeah, Virgin Galactic, uh, which is going to be, it's not the first ever supersonic plane for passengers because you guys probably remember the Concorde. Can you pull that up, Kai, so we can look at a Virgin Galactic? Go ahead. Yeah, so Virgin Galactic is going to travel, are you ready for this? Tell us. At Mach 3. That's about 2,600 miles per hour. They're going to be traveling at Mach 3 and at 60,000 feet, which means that you're going to be taking a ride on the sonic boom of all planes so just to put that in perspective instead of six hours or whatever it is four five six hours from new york to la you're gonna get there in about an hour okay i mean i that's, that's pretty intense by the way is to a be disruptor about that. yeah for sure so and they teamed up with what rolls royce they teamed up with rolls royce now let me just point out and when is this set to roll out uh, i believe it rolls out within the next year or two okay now look 
the 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 interesting thing is here for those of you that may remember there used to be a supersonic plane called the Concorde and I'm interested to see how they overcome this the problem with the Concorde and it was a beautiful plane it had this kind of weird nose I don't know if you can pull up a, a picture of the uh, Concorde yeah there's a picture of the Concorde there pointing down a little bit yeah yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that and uh, but you could get from basically New York to London in just a couple hours okay the problem that they had with the Concorde is every time it would take off from an airport it would shatter all the windows in the neighborhood so it became far too expensive of an endeavor so I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what kind of technology they're rolling out but would you you know if you think about what this does for business travel and what this eventually does with industries because we've talked a yeah. lot about what it takes to recruit certain people to certain cities and, and such when you're talking about now having a plane that can get you almost anywhere in flipping 45 minutes uh, or even half an hour, wow, that 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 changes industry. Yeah, Los I, I, Angeles. You're Hollywood. right. You're, I agree with that. And and you know, I was thinking about travel the other day, Kai. And here's what I was saying. I was saying that the fact it, it, the current model doesn't work with travel because the profit margins are what in travel three point two percent, right? If you look at the profit margin for airline industry is three point two percent. That's scary to be yeah, thinking about. Man, that's a scary thought. You always got to have a lot of cash. You're barely making any money. The margin, somebody else always comes in. Cheaper flights. People go on all these websites. And if somebody's cheaper than you by 10 bucks, they book that flight. So you have to constantly compete. And your 3.2 goes to 2.9. If I was to get into the airline industry, I wouldn't go fighting for the cheaper flight. I'd go the other way around. You wouldn't fight with Sprint. You'd fight with uh, no, I'd Spirit. Be, I mean. I'd be fighting for $2,000 tickets. I'd be fighting for $3,000 tickets. I would take the luxury experience to a whole different level. Mm -hmm. I would make it fewer people, smaller plane, more luxurious experience for you, more elite membership, exclusive, that kind of a direction I would go. I'd go to a, a thing where I target business owners who can spend two to $4,000 on a flight, and maybe they don't even want to get the jet, but you got a plane like this that's going to take you to these places. Hey, Trump said, I'm going to create Mar-a-Lago, and I'm going to give a $200,000 your membership. For what? Most people don't realize this. Mar-a-Lago doesn't have a golf course. You go to Mar-a-Lago, there is no golf. You know, you think there is golf. It's a small little, like, seriously, if you go to Mar-a-Lago, it's, it's, a, it's a massive mansion. Hmm. That's what Mar-a-Lago is. But $200,000 a year membership. You know who's part of it? Bill Belichick is a part of it. A bunch of names you would recognize right. pay $200,000 a year. Just for what? Just for one thing. You know what it is? Posh networking. Association. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're going to get to a country club that can have people who can afford $200,000 your membership. Our flights are $4,000. But who's on these flights? People that are killing. Who's who? You want to network? Come on our flight. It's $4,000. And then we give you sushi. We have caviar. We take the experience in a different direction. Maybe we offer foot massage. Maybe, I don't know what it is. I would, yeah. I would do a different kind of an experience. Well, that's why they're partnering with Rolls Royce. They're not partnering that's with Honda. That's what I'm saying to you. So right. what I'm saying is I like the direction they're going. More power to them for taking this angle. So I like it. Here, here, here is one thing that I don't think a lot of people maybe understand. Like people that travel uh, in maybe the role of an, of an executive, a CEO and stuff, to where you're constantly having to be on the road, shaking hands, kissing babies, doing deals. Travel, as Pat can tell you, takes an extensive toll on your body, especially if you're not in like prime physical shape. But even if you are, just travel in and of itself, especially commercial travel, takes it just takes a lot out of you which is why you have things like jet lag your body was actually not designed 
all right, designed, Adam. There's the whole God thing. But your body was not designed to operate in different time zones and different uh, parts of the world all within a few hours of, of each other. So anytime that you have these luxuries, you know, I, I realize that there's a lot of people that look at CEOs and people that travel privately and they say, oh, man, those guys are just wasting money. Dude, when your body, you know, when you're making a hundred million dollars a year or you're generating a hundred million or a billion a year like you have to take care of your body and one thing that you have to do is you have to travel in a way that provides all of those little luxuries just to keep your body from breaking down i mean seriously well if you're worth that much money you probably got your own plane you're not, you don't need virgin to do that but you have to realize your own plane doesn't come with networking your own plane comes with you're by yourself Touché. so what i'm giving you is networking because here's my cell would be Okay, you know how they say more business gets done on a golf course than anywhere else, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No problem. Hey, you got a two-hour flight. You're sitting down with anybody that makes. So imagine the marketing becomes this: our average earner on our flights makes three point eight million dollar year income. The average net worth of our uh, 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 guests is twenty eight million dollars, fifty two million dollars. Now, if I'm working at Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs, guess what I'm saying? Shit, I'm getting on this flight. Yeah, of course. Because if I get on this flight. And guess what else I would set it up as? I would set it up as desks where you're sitting down with somebody, two people sitting in front of you, right? Four people, two and two. So you got two, he's going to so, so Adam, what do you do? So what do you do? All right, let's exchange business cards. Let's do a deal together. I may have spent $3,000 on this flight. I just made $48,000 commission with you. I may have just done a business. I would go that direction is what I would do. You're saying it's a country club in the sky while you're Dude, flying I think for it's an a hour. country club right. in the sky is what I think. I have told so many young hustlers and marketers Pay whatever it costs, especially if you're at the gate. Go see if you can upgrade for 100 bucks to go sit in, in first class and gamble on yourself. Gamble on your ability to sell the guy next to you. You have no idea how many business deals and how many marketing things I've gotten while I was sitting on a plane, striking up a conversation, ask the other guy what he does. Dude, he's, people love talking about themselves. So guess what they do? They sit there and tell me exactly how important they are or what, what, what they do uh, at XYZ company. And it gives me an opportunity to analyze what they're saying while they're saying it. And then I come back with, have you ever thought about this? Oh, my God, that's genius. What do you do? Well, I'm a marketer. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, like, let's bring this back to because I've seen you do a video before about how much money you need to have in order to fly first class. So, have your as your opinion changed? Is it staying the same? Is things different? Is this changing? This you is want, a completely you, different target okay, market. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you, like, break that down. Meaning, the average person out there does not make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. They can't fly in private. Yeah. They can't spend two thousand sure. dollars on a flight. So let's just break this oh, down. By the way, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is not my customer. Two hundred fifty thousand. You're not flying private at two hundred fifty thousand. Of course, of course. You're so making seven figures plus to be flying with me. All right. So we're talking about the one percent of the one percent to even get on this. You know how many galactic. people filed their tax return last year that made over a million dollars? How many people? Five hundred thousand people. It's a big okay. market. There's plenty of people that can and afford it. There's there's this notion that you know it's on the rich people are just a few. No, there's no, a no, lot. No, yeah. Do you know how many people filed their tax return that? Didn't file over a million dollars, but did make over a million Yeah, that's a, a good point. Add another million to it. So say a million and a half. So you got about 500,000 500, that file tax returns. So you're, you're asking me what question? You, I'm saying you've done a video before. It's, I have. It's gone viral. Millions and millions yep. of, of views where you're saying don't fly first class until you're worth 10 million. 10 million bucks. So my question is, is that still the same? Is that different? How, For I, me? Yeah, just in general, my, for the average my, viewer out my there. My thought on that hasn't changed, but okay. I'm the guy that was running a business, using every penny and putting it back into the business. Of I'd course. be sitting right there, 
you know, $200 flight, $300 flight, rather than booking a $1,500 flight. This is a different story. The target market for this is somebody that is wanting to do business with somebody else. I don't belong to uh, 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 country clubs. You know gotcha. why? Because it's not part of my business model. Got it. But if it's a business model where you do want to be around other rich people, guess what? That is the direction I'd go with the Virgin Galactic. Because it's the 99% advice versus Imagine the you're on a advice. flight, and you're on this flight, all of a sudden you see a Hollywood star, you see a sports agent, you see the number one producer at Goldman Sachs, you see the number one realtor in L.A., you see the number one technology engineer, you see the security... I mean, you're like, listen, say, hey, what? No brainer, we got a party going on. You want to come over? I'll come to your poker. Well, you know, we of do course. pokers on Thursday night. No way. Where's it at? Calabasas. Oh, shock. Who come? You know, we have these people that show up. I'll come play. You go there, you play. You got networks. and you. There's so it's many. It's an stuff. investment. There it's is not a just big a market. And by the way, it's a difference between this and first class. Here's the reason. Mm -hmm. That happened to me twice, by the way. There's a difference between this and first class. First class is the following. Most people in first class, they go with the intention of not talking to anybody. For sure. If you go to first class, it's quite annoying. Don't because talk to me. Nobody talks to anybody. Yeah, like, yeah, don't yeah. talk to me, don't touch me, don't do anything with me, right? You're going on the galactic to talk to people. Okay, there it is. With people like you that you want to see if you can do some business with. I don't know. Like, let, let's change the subject. Let's go into a completely different sure. thing on what's going on here. Uh, uh, so an executive from MSNBC Primetime, the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell, an integral member of them. Her name is... Uh, uh, her last name is Peccary. I can't get her first name. What is her first name? Uh, how do you say? Uh, uh, Sean Peccary. <laughs> no, Sean Peccary. It's a. It's a, Peggy. Uh, Ariana Peccary. Okay, she's at MSNBC. She just left. Okay, and here's what she just said: successful and insightful TV veteran. She said, "We are a cancer, and there is no cure. But if you could find a cure, it would change the world." What does she mean by "we are a cancer"? She says, this cancer risks human lives even in the middle of a pandemic. The primary focus quickly became what Donald Trump was doing poorly to address the crisis rather than the science itself. A new details, as new details have become available about antibodies, a vaccine, or how COVID actually uh, spreads, producers still want to focus on the politics. Important facts or studies get buried, she says. This cancer risks our democracy, even in the middle of a presidential election. Any discussion about the election usually focused on Trump, not Joe Biden. A repeat offense from 2016. She goes on to talk about, I'm like, you got to keep in mind, MSNBC is a extremely, extremely liberal station. More than CNN. Hardcore. Yeah, of course. Lawrence O'Donnell. These guys are. Rachel Maddow, your friend. Rachel Maddow, all of these folks, right? Yeah. You know, when I was listening to uh, Ted Turner's uh, uh, audiobook, I don't know if you've listened to it or not. I highly recommend everybody. If you're not listening to it, you must listen to this. This guy's a, you know, very, very unique character, right? At the end of it, he's being interviewed by one of his own CNN employees. Now, keep in mind, he's been away from CNN. He sold CNN. He went through AOL and Time Warner merging, where his net worth went to $11 billion. And within a span of I don't know how many months, he went from $11 billion to $1 billion. He lost eight, nine billion dollars like this, and he had no control over it because he didn't have a voting, he didn't have voice, he just owned shares, and he couldn't say nothing, right? Mm. Imagine losing nine billion dollars in a few months, right? So he's being interviewed by one of the current CNN executives, and the guy asked, so, you know, what could you have done differently with CNN? Here's how he finishes the interview. He said, I wish we would go back to telling the news instead of giving your opinion. He said, I cannot believe what happened with CNN. CNN got started to tell the news. Now people are sharing their opinions. That is disaster what's happening to CNN. Here's a guy 
who's the founder of CNN. Here's a guy that marries Jane Fonda. Here's a guy that one time defended Cuba. Here's a guy that went and met with Gorbachev. Here's a guy that was a, that's a Democrat, but says the model is hurting people because it's opinion, opinion, opinion. It's no longer what really happened in the news, right? And then you hear somebody like this talking about the fact that we are a cancer and there's no cure, but if you could find it, if you could find a cure, it would change the world. How, how, what do you think needs to happen for the media to not go in the direction that's going right now where it's just about divisive, divisive, divisive? What is the next thing we can find that can divide and get more eyeballs? And everybody's using this business model. Do you think there's a place today for a media company to come out to give both sides and give the middle for the audience to say, I'm willing to subscribe and buy a membership to that? Do you think there's a place the, the, for the that? The same thing that's needed in media is needed in politics, a third party a moderate voice. And I mean, the same thing that you're saying about CNN yeah. and the same thing you're saying about MSC is the, uh, MSNBC is the exact same thing that we can say about Fox News, for sure, and Breitbart and everyone on the right. The problem is it's all opinion, it's all opinion, it's all opinion. And the problem in, in America, we have Democrats who are on the left and Republicans on the right. And everyone, if you're on the right, this is your team. If you're on the left, this is your team. Who the is in the middle, okay? And that's where I think where Valuetainment has a major, major, major um, inroads into this uh, media world, someone needs to be playing the middle card because as much as MSNBC is a quote-unquote cancer and CNN is on the left, take a fucking look at Fox News, okay? So it's the same shit. So as much as what she's saying on the left, the same thing goes on the right. So the problem in this country today is you're either on the blue team or you're on the red team. Let's get a purple team in there and, you know, enter value team. Well, it's funny you say purple. Okay, because that happens to be just the color of valuetainment. No shit. That's why I brought it Politics. up. Politics. I mean, every time I've. Of course. That was a good setup, by the way. Yeah, obviously. You guys are good volleyball yeah, players. There I it can is. just see that I already. tried to set you up, and you're making it seem like I'm. Didn't <laughs> I know that's a freaking valuetainment. Like, ridiculous. No, okay, if you guys want a purple option, uh, they're going to drop it down in the. Comment section below. We just launched Valuetainment Politics. Kai, if you can drop okay. the link to Valuetainment Politics comment section. Which you need to go subscribe because I, I think we're going to have a little bet between Adam and myself, who Adam is over there at VT Economics, riding the coattails of Danielle DiMartino Booth. All right. And little old Joshy Poo. Bad, bro. <laughs> bro, I'm just. Dang, bro, your arm's hard. Whoa. See, uh, now you know what, that's how you know what not chub yeah. feels like. Yeah. Go ahead, grab another look. All right. So. Go over. I think we're going to have a little friendly competition to see whose channel grows a little faster. I think they're at 5,000. Well, I think we're at a couple hundred. But you got to go check out Value Sign up politics. for Value Team and no. Economics. If you, don't wanna, if you don't care about uh, opinion and you want the actual facts about the green, go ahead and sign up for Value Team and Economics. Okay, look. We don't care Hold if you're on. on the left and if you're, on, if you're red. We don't care if you're on the right, the blue. We don't care. We, we're all about the green, baby. Sign us up. If you want opinion, go ahead and check out Josh. I think to your point, Pat, is how do we stop it? Number one, you have to stop watching, okay? The, oh, we are feeding the dragon, and we're wondering why the dragon's so powerful. Mm. And I think that it really comes down to confirmation bias, okay? Everyone is told what to think. They start thinking it, and then what do they do? They go back into the echo chamber looking for someone to confirm their personal bias. So we want to be told that we're what? That we're right. Or if we're wrong, that it's not our fault. But the number one thing that we want to be told is that we're right. So what we're doing is we're taking in all of this media and we're forming these opinions basically that are handed to us, molded, shaped. And the way that we view the news is how we shape our opinions. This is why I think it's so dangerous 
when we're delivering, and this goes for Fox News, to Adam's point, just as much as it goes to MSNBC or anyone else. We have to take sensationalism out of journalism and journalists, which is why I think we need independent journalists. This, I, look, this lady and I probably have very different views on America. This lady that you're talking about. Peccary. Yeah, Peccary. She and I probably disagree on a lot. But you know what I applaud, Pat? I applaud her bravery to at least yeah. pursue truth. Like, that to me takes a lot of cojones, and my hat's off to Miss Peccary uh, for having enough Peccary to actually <laughs> step out of the... Uh, Peccary, yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, there you Pat, go. Pat, what say you? What's, what's, what's I mean, everything we just addressed, I feel like you've got uh, uh, two cents on this. I, no, I, you're not I, just going to let I, us talk I, about I it. I trust capitalism, man. That's the thing. You have to realize, I trust capitalism. These are all good opportunities. Anytime this happens, there's somebody else that's coming out. You cannot be doing this for too long. You know, there are different forms of uh, monopoly. Okay, different forms of monopoly. If, if you know, if you go to a nightclub, the reason why men love going to a gay club, why do you think sing, straight men? Wait a minute. Why do you think straight Trash. men? Why do you think straight men love going to a gay club? I'll tell you why. Unless we um, have an off night. You you've got. Uh, why do you think straight men love to go to a gay club? Actually, think about that question right there. Because They're the alpha male. No. Why do you think? Because. Because why? You've got your pick of the litter. Anyone, any chick who's there. Okay. And if you're a straight guy, you can call, hey, you know, I'm actually not gay. You know, I'm now here's here. the other question. Being here. Why do straight women go to gay clubs? To support their gay friends. Why do you think they go? They, yeah, I would go. I mean, they love. They, okay. They're, why they're, else? Why? Why else is a straight? Oh, so they don't have to get hit on. Hit on. Deal with crap. They deal with nonsense. They just want to go dance and they just want to have a good yes, night out. Of course. And you know, be around gay friends and not have anybody bother them, yeah. right? Okay. Zero competition. Not doing so, drama. So the, the point is, the reason why you go there is because the competition is less. There's mm -hmm. not many straight men. So typically at a gay club, you're gonna have a group of straight women and you have a group of straight men that by around eleven thirty, they end up finding each other. Mm -hmm. And why it is, that just kind of how this works out. Because the market, you don't have a monopoly. Now, why is it that you go to a club? Where there's 20 women and 200 men, why is there a monopoly there? Who has the monopoly? Yeah, the women. Women have it on the of men. It's, it's 10 to 1. Yeah, okay? Of course. Okay. They get their pick of the litter. There is different forms of monopoly. Different forms of monopoly. Monopoly isn't just Amazon is buying everybody out. It's a monopoly. No, no, no. That's just one form of a monopoly, right? Uh, today, uh, a progressive thinking has a monopoly in universities, 10 to 1. Mm -hmm. Today, progressive thinking has a monopoly over media, 10 to 1. They own 90% right. of media. It's a monopoly. It's a form of a monopoly. Your way of thinking, social media, progressive thinking, is 90%, maybe 95%. Who owns Facebook? Who owns uh, Amazon? Who owns YouTube? Who owns Google? Who owns you know, any of these guys? There's a monopoly there, right? There is a monopoly on the way of thinking. And anytime you do a monopoly, what is another word for monopoly? What is another word for monopoly? What is a monopoly? If I'm, if I'm coming with 10 people to fight against you, what is the easiest word to use there to replace monopoly? What am I doing to you? If you and I say, I'll see you after school, I'm going to whoop your ass. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, but David, I'll see you behind the gym. What's up, bro? What's up? Three o'clock. And, and then we meet 3 o'clock. What's right? up? I meet you at 3 o'clock. Yeah, what's going down? You come by yourself. Yeah. I come with 10 people. What do you call me? That's, that, that's just gang. That's just, uh... But what, what, what am I doing to you? I'm bullying oh, you. Oh, bullying. Gotcha. Monopoly is a form of bullying. bullying. Walmart put out small markets. It's a form yes. of monopoly. Amazon's putting out small. It's a form of monopoly. 
I think, I I say, think I'm feeling very bullied right now. I have to use the bathroom. So so the, bad. I'll be the, right back. Thirty the, seconds. The, the the part the part about the <laughs> did the, this just happen? It, it will happen many times. It's a small bladder community. The the part about this whole thing. The part about this whole thing is the fact that there's a monopoly going on with media. And when there's a monopoly going on with media, I think it leaves a big opportunity for somebody else to come in and compete. And that's just what's going on right now. I, 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 you know, a lot of people are concerned. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are sitting there saying, well, you know, I'm really worried about this thing because they own the media. Don't worry about it. Something's coming around the corner. So uh, in just a minute, I, w I actually want you to go back and maybe explain to some of the people uh, what uh, we had a conversation that actually ties into this about you talking about being able to sell like a woman, which I think is a great segue from the nightclub experience. But do you think it is that sometimes people call uh, somebody a disruptor in the industry? Do you think it's more an issue of the top guys stopped innovating? Okay, so the top guys got so lazy and stopped innovating that somebody else is able to come in and disrupt. But it's not because they're disrupting uh, or for the purpose of disruption. It's more that they just br they brought the market what the market wanted while the other guys got lazy, like a relationship, okay? So if I'm in a relationship with, you know, well, let's not take me, but let's just let's take Adam. Adam's in a relationship. I'm back, baby. Adam, who just got back from a from a little PP pee -pee break. Pat Pat talked about fighting me after school. I got scared. I had to take okay. a piss. So, so Pat's or uh, Adam's in a relationship with a girl, and then he gets boring and lazy with the relationship. Some other dude comes along, starts giving that girl what she desires: the attention, the focus, blah blah blah. She he's just given the market what the market desires, and so she gravitates towards him. Do you think it's the same way in the news media is the news media has gotten so used to just controlling it that they now have a blind spot for people like oh, us? Oh, buddy, let me tell you, man. There's nothing worse than being number one for a long time and not having anybody compete against you. There is nothing. By the way, somebody, I got to give a shout out to Michael. One of the best comments of the day, soy boys have small bladders. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means. That's a pretty good comment. I wanted to give some very intellectual comment right there. Michael Mintz, uh, uh, respect Michael, to you for that. What a, uh, what a, what a wordsmith that, that's, you are, that's, a, that's a legit comment right there. But but let me go back to this. Look, I had a call with one of my guys yesterday. Shout out to Jonathan Mason. You know who Jonathan Mason is. Yeah. I put a race to give away a, a gold, a kilo of gold. We gave that away to Ricky, and we sent him a five thousand dollar safe. He posted a picture yesterday on Instagram. It's a massive safe. I don't know if you saw the safe. Huge safe, right? Kind of like the one I have back there. Massive safe. Okay. Then uh, we sent him a kilo of gold, $62,000. Today, he gets it, right? Yesterday, we gave another $50,000 bonus, cash bonus, to Jonathan Mason for doing something faster than his peers did. So we gave him $50,000. I call him to tell him, hey, you got fifty k, right? Wow. He's in his, uh, 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 what do you call the last floor? The, what do you call that Mansion? last floor? No, no, no. Last floor of a, uh, the last floor the of a high penthouse. He's on his penthouse. This is a guy that I met him. He was a bar mitzvah dancer, you know. He was, like you put guy. your hands up in the air, put your hands. <laughs> this is that guy, right? One of these guys ripped, used to be a dancer, JU guy, soccer, you know, jock, all that stuff. And uh, so he's with his girl, and a uh, very attractive girl. We like her a lot. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Pat, I can't believe it. I said, you just got 50K. <laughs> you know, and uh, I told him at the end, I said, let me, let me tell you something here. So I said, let me tell you what my hopes are. He says, what's that? I said, my hopes are that you don't do what many people do when they get too many victories back to back to back. This, is, this will be four months straight that we have paid Jonathan Mason 
$100,000 a month, four months straight. Four right. months straight, he's made that kind of money, okay? This is a guy that was making 40 grand a year doing bar mitzvahs, okay? To making $100,000 a month, four months straight, right? He's based out of Orlando, Florida. And I said, the challenge with being number one is the following. You get cocky, you get comfortable, you sleep in, you don't work out, you stop reading books, you rely on the same old 28 books that you read, you're around people that tell you how amazing mm -hmm. you are, People tell you, oh my gosh, you're so phenomenal. You're so great. All of those things slow you down. The media has had the control for a long time. And typically what happens when you bully for too long, you all of a sudden meet a real bully. And that bully is going to bully you in ways that's going to give you nightmares for the rest of your life. And that bully will show up. It's always the case. The story for bullies never ends well. The story for bullies ends very, very bad. They get freedom and control and accolades for a while until somebody really shows up. Let me put it to you this way, man. The reason, I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the Army, okay? I'm 18 years old. I'm big, buff, strong, cocky, arrogant. I'm like, listen, I, I can take out anybody. And there was a circle when their body was fighting. So I said, okay, let me get into it. So I get into the ring. And we had one rule. You can't punch the face. Fine, you can't punch the face, no problem. Full-on fights. You can't, but you can't punch the face. Okay, the but one you're rule. fighting. You're like, fighting, but wow. you can't punch the face, okay. okay? But body shots. By everything, but you wow. just cannot touch the face. You touch the face, you lose, right? Okay. okay, so I go in. One guy, next guy, next one. Oh, my gosh, Bet David, you're going to face off Bet David. And I'm getting cocky, thinking, oh, I'm the baddest guy in town. Wow. Guy from Florida shows up. He's 5'6", 130 pounds. Yeah. Not kidding with you. And very shy and timid. He says, can I get in there? I said, bro, it's not. It's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He says, let me, fight, just, let me just get in there. He says, no, no, I don't want, I don't want to do it. I'm, I, I like you a lot. We run, you run. Buddy. He says, let me, let me just get in there. This guy gets in there. Yeah. He gets in there. Let me put it to you this way. So I start doing the cocky fight. You know, I got this guy. Yeah. Bro, six seconds, I'm on my back begging for him to stop. Stop it. What I swear to God. What was his move? This guy was a Florida State champion of wrestling for his weight. He puts me on my back. He's got me in this. I can't even move. I said, dude, I'm tapping out. I, I said, what the hell is your problem? I said, how are you this good? He said, That's not, I'm, I've been a Florida State champion for my boss. He said, shit, you should have said something like that. Right? You know, I'm like, oh, freaking guy kicks my ass in front of all our buddies. And here goes the guy that's the macho Literally, guy. Literally, David and Goliath hey, right hey. there. And every time I saw this 5'6 kid, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, buddy? Good <laughs> no, to see you. Up, right? Nice to see you Listen, again. You learn that yeah. you can't go life like that. And you learn a lesson. You have to respect everybody. Mm -hmm. You have to respect everybody. If you use your power to abuse people for too long, there's some people that are watching the way you're behaving and they're gonna come after you. And that's what's gonna happen to media. And it's gonna be painful. And they're gonna take their market share away and recruit some of their best talents that are still telling the truth. And all the old timers are gonna be sitting around by themselves somewhere furious, pissed off, because they're no longer as famous as they once were. Mm. This happens all the time and it's gonna happen to them as well very soon. Don't believe the hype. No, no, don't bully. <laughs> When you, when you want to go up against bullies, you're really going to find out who the real bullies are. Because true believer bullies are different than acting bullies. You know the difference, right? With the guys, I'm going to whoop your ass, watch what I'm going to do, blah, 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 blah. The talker. And yeah, then yeah. the one guy's like, dude, oh my God, if I have to hear this guy one more time, I swear to God. And then the real bully shows up and everybody shuts up, mm -hmm. okay? Media is about to experience that. It's just going to take five to 10 years. People just have to be patient. Just hang tight. Give it five to 10 years before it happens. And then you'll see how this thing took just place. Just like the XFL. Give yeah, we'll but that's a completely out. different conversation. Okay, let me give you something here what uh, Elon Musk did again, which, which I think is absolutely fascinating.
I don't know if you guys are. By the way, if you're uh, enjoying this uh, podcast, click the like button. We got 209 likes so far to one on our new podcast with 3,060 subs, which is a brand spanking new channel. Put the thumbs up and share the podcast while we're going into the last stretch of 30 minutes. I have a 10 o'clock conference call. Everyone wants a weight loss update, too. Oh, everyone does want a weight loss update. Yeah. We'll get to that here in a minute. We're gonna we'll get, get to that here in a minute in because uh, because uh, uh, some of the people in Vegas, the odds guys, are saying there's a very high likelihood Josh is voting for Biden this year. But we'll get to that here oh, in a minute. Crap. We'll get I to heard. that here in a minute. Again, these are, these are Vegas people. I'm not don't, – don't take it out on us. It's just – can't Vegas so, Don't so the check this out. So check this out. I always like it when somebody beats the odds. And again, this guy, what's his name? Is it Elon? Elon? Elon Musk? What is his name? <laughs> Elon Musk. By no, the way, yeah. I love when Tucker Carlson says, so this host on MSN, on CNN called uh, Don Lamont. So Don Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it over so and snarky. over and over. Don Lamont, Don Lamont, Don Lamont. So here's what happened. Barack Obama, President Barack Obama said it would take 12 years and $26 billion to do what? 12 years and $26 billion to fly into space, to, uh, to, uh, 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 to 12 years and $26 billion to do what? To essentially take a manned uh, deal to the... Uh, fly to orbit, intergalactic No, no, space no. Let me tell you. Was a specific, I'm going to give the specific date on what he said. So he said it'll take... 12 years and $26 billion. Duckling is going to return to Earth after two months in orbit and safely splash down on the Gulf Coast waters off Florida on Sunday. So Barack Obama said it would take 12 years and $26 billion to accomplish that. Elon Musk did it in six years for $1 billion. Okay, so think about it. Entrepreneurship, baby. That's the point. So 12 years, $26 billion. Elon does it in six years with a billion dollars. How is that even possible, Adam? Since you said entrepreneurship, I'll go to you first. I mean, just... What a genius this guy is. I mean, shout out to Elon Musk. He's, 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 he's changing the game, you know, and Josh, you'll appreciate this one. Elon Musk said he's not very religious, doesn't really believe in God, all that, but he prayed for this one to happen. Maybe that was the, uh, that was the differentiating factor here, but not very religious. But um, the two guys that went up there, Bob and Doug, two dudes, they just showed up. They were NASA guys. I mean, this is, this is the power of uh, uh, infrastructure with NASA and SpaceX technology working together actually those guys they they went up there they, the, the guy uh bob's up there said he's making fake you'd appreciate this making crank calls on satellites just hey this is calling from space here buddy <laughs> i mean are you kidding me comes down they fly I down they, they land in the gulf of mexico a couple hours later they're doing q a can you imagine you're up in space you land and then you're doing q a to media i mean you're up in space that's kind of cool i mean that's ridiculous the guy said we didn't want to stand up anymore. What was that guy? Imagine that jet Imagine yeah, that imagine jet, that line. jet line. Yeah. Somehow they were able to manage. But, you know, I'm very intrigued by, by all this. Elon Musk, what a guy. What a, what a situation. It's, it's, it's incredible. Here's it's what a big he win for USA. I do think what this herald, uh, heralds really is fundamentally a new era in sp space light. Musk said we're going to go to the moon. We're going to have a base on the moon. We're going to send people to Mars and make life multiplanetary and i think this day herald heralds a new age of space exploration that's what it's all about it's a pretty intense statement to make right that that's not a small statement right there there'd be a time where you think this guy was absolutely nuts and out of his rocker but now not so much now you, you kind of got to be a believer make in this guy life at this point multiplanetary you ever even heard that word before make life multiplanetary interplanetary so look he's a big thinker yeah he's got a big push 
Okay. So, but look, oh, look, he's got look, the look. Biggest push, but Pat, Pat, uh, Pat, and I were actually on a uh, Zoom the other day, chatting with the co-founder of Pricelight. Yes. And he said something that I absolutely love. Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman was talking about how they're putting together a group of guys that are basically a think tank, okay, of social impact entrepreneurs. And the one thing that they're talking about are how do we solve the world's problems? Because we know governments aren't going to do it. We know that presidents aren't going to do it. We know politicians are not going to do it because there's so much, A, just ineptitude, and B, there's so much government waste. When you think about Barack Obama standing up saying it was going to take 12 years and $26 billion or some crazy uh, number, this is a guy that has some of the best, quote-unquote, analytical minds, quote-unquote, on his uh, staff that are giving him these these numbers but what's the big joke about government is that if you get a government job it's 10 guys standing around telling one guy how to work right which and you know you start looking into government spending and just how much waste there is it's got to be entrepreneurs that step up and solve the world's problems and it's another argument in my mind for for free market capitalism because when you allow people to come up with better ideas and they can profit off of them now there is an incentive for that person to now go out and solve that particular problem. I think one of the greatest things, Pat, and I think that maybe someone like you needs to help lead this initiative, is start taking these guys that have had big exits, big thinkers, big idea people. Uh, I love the the fact that uh, the other day I, I saw you mentoring a young guy. I'm not blowing smoke up your rear, but I saw you mentoring a young guy that is doing this low-income housing initiative. Mm. Like, uh, and he's going to do huge, huge things. Like if entrepreneurs started banding together and started putting a, a problem in front of them, started creating these think tanks, dude, the world would be a very different place. Very different place. Adam, did you have something to say? Or you seem like I mean, you took a Josh, deep breath That was the best thing Josh had to say all day. I, 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 I totally agree with, uh, with that. Is entrepreneurs that would change the world. Uh, Elon Musk, what a, what a dude. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go through a couple of the topics here that we have. Do we want to address stimulus at all? Do you want to? You got enough? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, tell this, us this, what's this, going this on. This is the big deal. This is, all, this is the Talk number one story us. in the news right tell now, us. baby. Nancy Pelosi said Congress is not going to pass another uh, uh, anything for another week. So what do, what can you tell us? Something needs to happen immediately because they go on, they go on recess August 7th. So just to give you a little brief history, obviously there was the CARES Act. Um then uh, that happened in March, March 27th to be exact. Then the Demo that was a two trillion dollar uh, stimulus package. Then the, the then in May, Democrats said, "We listen. We don't like the the way that the coronavirus is is growing. We're going to come up with the Heroes Act, three trillion dollar act." That just basically was DOA dead on arrival. There's three trillion bucks that ain't happening. And then the uh, Republicans, it was their turn to come to the table with the Heels Act. They just came up with the Heels Act. So here's the good news, here's the bad news. Um, so the Heels Act, $1 trillion. What both sides agree upon, this is the, you know, breaking news, both sides agree that the people should receive stimulus checks again. 100% stimulus checks are happening. The big disagreement uh, right now is a couple different things. Big disagreement is unemployment, $600 a week, uh, the Heroes Act, $200 a week, the Heels Act, Republicans. So that I'd be, love to hear what the people at home wanna know. $600, uh, I have to say. $600 a week plus your state benefits, $200 a week, big difference. That's where they're different. That's a difference factor right now. Unemployment people, 30 million people collecting unemployment right now. And then, um, you know, what's the other biggest difference between the 1 trillion and the 3 trillion? 
Well, the Democrats want to get, provide another $1 trillion to states and cities. You know how much money uh, Republicans want to give the state and cities? Goose egg, zero. So there's a big difference. What do you what, think about that? Um, I think that they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. I think that's the freaking bottom line here is that, you know, you have a $1 trillion stimulus act, HEALS Act, $3 trillion HEROES Act, CARES Act with $2 trillion. Bottom line is I think they're going to be somewhere around $2 trillion coming back onto the national federal debt. Uh, people are getting stimulus checks and people, unemployed, unemployment just ran out July 31st. So by the time uh, August recess comes around at the end of this week, People are unemployed. They're going to have to pay the bills. People are going to be kicking, getting kicked out of their apartment, can't pay rent. Uh, that's the debate. $600 or $200. What's the, I mean, what say you? Want to know what pisses me off, Adam? It pisses me off that all of these little congressional lackeys on both sides of the aisle are sitting there collecting paychecks during this pandemic. Not one of these Congress people are not collecting a paycheck week to week. They do not feel the pain of the American people. And I'm all for free market capitalism, which is why I say that we need to open back up, period. The people that don't want to come out don't have to come out. But, you know, I, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a well-known economist that appears on our channel. I don't know, uh, you know, and they were talking about free market capitalism and how this is, and I 100% agree but as long as we don't have a free market, there is no market right now. Everything's closed down for the most part. Businesses are greatly reduced. Gym, gym owners are getting arrested for opening up gyms. Meanwhile, people are not being arrested for protesting, but they're being arrested for opening up gyms. Is that how do you not send money to the American people if you're not allowing them to work? Now, I don't, I'm not for the government just sending free money to people. I'm not for redistribution of wealth. I'm not for socialism. I'm obviously not for any of that. But if you're going to shut down the economy, how are you not going to send people money to live? And that's the thing that frustrates me. All of these guys up in Congress, they're sitting there on their little padded pews. They're leaving Congress, going over to either Trump Hotel or the Washingtonian, or they're going over to one of these places, getting drinks after work, all right? But guess what? Average Joe Blow that's there on Main Street, not on Wall Street, that guy is having a heck of a time right now. And it freaking pains me, okay? It freaking pains me because I think of all these people right now, like, dude, I think about what it would be like having six kids. Sorry if I get emotional, but, dude, this it's it pissing me off now. I think about what it's like having six kids if I didn't know how I was going to put food in their mouth. If, if I didn't have economic security of being at the top of the industry that I'm in and I didn't have that economic security and I had a business that was being shut down, think about how scared these people are right now when they don't know how they're going to put food in their kid's mouth and what the hell is the government doing about it? They're sitting there and, dude, the Dems, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it, the Dems are using this whole political pandemic to play towards the election and meanwhile, dude, people's lives are going to hell and we wonder why the suicide rates are up, dude, because people right now are living in fear, absolute fear, man. Basic stats, man. But, you know, he's, he makes a very good point. Yesterday, I'm doing a Zoom uh, with our guys, and I'm talking about saying, listen, guys, I understand we're doing very good, you know, because our numbers are up, PHP is doing good, all that stuff is good. I said 32.9% of the G GDP dropped in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. That's a big number, man. 33% of yeah, the crazy. U.S. GDP dropped. And 55 million Americans don't have a job. One of our guys asked the question. He says, Pat, how is it possible that the market is doing good, 
but GDP is down. How is it possible that the market is doing good, but GDP is down? I said, because there's a lot of fake money right now. Money's just Lots being handed out, so people are still spending money. That's $600 a week mm -hmm. is what's keeping it together. So here's what they have to realize. They either have to realize that you cannot say, you cannot say, shut down, you can't go out to work, you can't go out and work, and at the same time, we're not gonna pay you the $600. You can't do one without the other. Right. So if you're gonna say, I can't go out there and work and run my business, you gotta pay me something. I, I wanna go to work, you're telling me I can't go to work? Then you gotta pay my expenses. Th th this is a hypocrisy situation that's taking place. By the way, here's a stat for you. In July, 19, in, in July, 83% of New York City bars, restaurants, and nightlife establishments weren't able to pay their full rent. Let me read this to you one more time. In July, 83%, not 18, not 38, not 58, not 60, 83% of New York City bars, restaurants, and nightlife establishments weren't able to pay full rent. According to a New York Hospitality Alliance survey, 471 businesses, okay? 37% couldn't pay at all. You're talking about these guys right. are going to go out of business. You're talking about 50 million people in America rely on restaurants to keep them afloat. 15 million Americans work for restaurants and bars. That doesn't include the trucker, the drivers, the people that are delivering the food. So, you know, I don't know. When I, when I look at these numbers here and I see kind of what's going on, at the same time I see a lot of politics taking place, a lot of games taking place. But you cannot say let's shut down and not pay me the $600. Make up your mind, which one do you wanna do? Either let me get back to work, which is what I wanna do, mm -hmm. and don't pay me the $600, or tell me to stay home and pay me the $600. But you can't do one without the other. So they're gonna to have to make up their minds and see what they're gonna be doing. Well, the big argument that they're having right now is two thirds of people collecting this, because it's $600 plus what you're collecting from your state. So the $600 is like a, is like a bonus. So the average uh, unemployment state amount is like 300 bucks right uh so 600 bucks so you average that out you're making 900 bucks extrapolate that two-thirds of people were getting paid more to stay home than they were when they were actually working so that's the big argument right there i think both sides are saying look we're going to give you money you're going to get stimulus checks you're going to receive unemployment we're going to extend on your employment for another few months uh, beyond what your state was giving you the debate is should people get paid more to stay home. So that's a debate of no, $600 versus $200. Here's where I'm at with that. Here's yeah. where I'm at with that. First of all, you know, a couple things you have to keep in mind as a following. There are a lot of people that are abusing their benefits and they're not even working and they can be working. That's number one. Number two is, okay, coronavirus. Who, we already know at this point who it hurts the most, what age bracket it hurts the most. We always, I have, I've had, a couple hundred people in our company that have a coronavirus. A couple of them are players. One of them is our number one guy, you know, that, that went through it. And, you know, so I'll get on the phone with them every single day just to kind of get a feel what they're going through, okay, when they have coronavirus. Cough, you lose your voice, you can barely breathe. A couple of them have gone to the hospital. One of them is on ICU right now, and uh, he's going through it, and his business is going to lose everything. His wife put up a GoFundMe. Uh, this is a guy that uh, – runs a tax business for himself. He's not in a good situation. I left him a message the other day. So coronavirus is real. There's no question about it that's not real. Now, they've been doing testing with the vaccines. You're saying 80% of people that are taking it, they're getting severe, what do you call it, side effects and reactions, reactions yeah. to it. And you know, even the lady, uh, I, I think from MSNBC, was grilling uh, Bill Gates and said, look, uh, I don't know if you saw this one here where the lady is grilling Bill Gates about, have you seen this one? Mm -hmm. Where she's like, hey, 
you know, 80% are having reactions to what do you have to say about that. And you have to watch Bill Gates answer to that for 10 seconds. He doesn't know what to say. Have you seen this? See if you can pull it up. Bill Gates uh, interviews say 80% reaction. Type in Bill Gates 80% reaction uh, uh, interview to, uh, to vaccines. Yeah, and I, I, there's, a, there's a part. Do uh, YouTube right there, right there, right there. Go to YouTube vi uh, uh, videos. You should search that on YouTube instead of doing it here. Okay, Kai. There's so so going back to that part with uh, 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 Kai is gonna figure this out eventually. So, so hey, make it a little bit bigger, but that's the one right there. Okay, make it bigger. How many minutes is it? How many minutes is it? How many? Fast forward to see when they're talking. Can we turn that up, Kai? so many first-generation vaccines. How do we know if these vaccines are working? And you'd like it to be very safe in all the populations. Go a little uh, bit faster. Or no side effects. And then you'd like it to avoid the individual who gets the vaccine getting sick. Where are we in terms of a rapid diagnostic test? You've talked about this a lot. It would be a test that is like an in-home The one question you have tests? to see is when she asked uh, the reaction. The next, uh, two to four months, some of those tests will get approved. Now, they won't be as accurate uh, as the PCR, which is a molecular test. And so over the next few months, we have to up PCR capacity. We have to get results back in 24 hours. We need both. CBS. And the delay times that we have today are completely unacceptable. It's making most much worthless. The president said just this weekend that the U.S. has the lowest mortality rate in the world. Okay, Is so it's, it's it, anyway, so there's a part, you got to watch this here, uh, where she asked the question saying 80% of people are having reactions. You know, what do you have to say to that? He doesn't have an answer for it. He's frozen. He's frozen. So the point is, there is not a solution with the vaccine that we trust right now. There's a bunch of people that are right now, you know, in testing. So there's so much uncertainty. So let's just say this goes for 12 more months. Say this goes for 12 more months. This has only been going on for four months, by the way. Mm -hmm. March. So you got April, May, just say March, April, May, June, July. Five months, let's just say. Go 12 more months at this pace. If we have 55 million people unemployed right now, if we have 83% that haven't paid their rent right now, go 12 more months. What's it look like 12 more months from now? How much money do we have to print 12 more months from now? Actually go 12 more months from now. So what is the solution? Then you're having, you know, Nancy Pelosi calls out uh, the Cesar, what's her name, Burtz? Uh, uh, what's her last name that he calls out? The lady that works under Fauci. Uh, oh, yeah, Burks. Burks, I think. Burks calls out. Deborah, so Deborah Burks. Deborah Burks. So, so first of all, Nancy Pelosi says, I don't trust Deborah Burks. Okay? Then Deborah Burks says, we're getting worse. Then Trump says she's full of it. Then Fauci defends Deborah Burke. So, so watch this here. <laughs> Pelosi doesn't trust Burks. Burks undermines Trump. Trump calls out her. Fauci defends her. Who is on whose page? No one's on the same page with anybody. It's and just they're just, they're just, just kind of going with it. Yeah, you know, ah, let's just kind of do it again and again. If this goes 12 more months... You can't keep giving people money. So if you stop giving people money, you have crime if you don't open up. If you keep giving people money, this is why this, I'll take the transition right here to finish this thing up here. The stock market can drop as much as 80%, says a 47-year market vet. Why we're in the midst of a global bust. And he makes a case, you know for what? He makes a case to say why gold, it's $10,000, why gold could go to ten thousand dollars? By the way, okay. Why gold could go to ten thousand dollars? Now let me let me read this one more time to you. If you want to go to this article here, okay. 
What were you saying? To, to do what? Well, I was going to show you here uh, exactly why gold, if you if you bring it up, okay, if you look here on the right the right hand side, look at what just look at what inflation has done since we went off of the uh, gold standard. Gold in 1913, $29 an ounce. All right, now 32200 is what it should be compared to the American dollar. 32200 the ratio is 86.73 to 1. We keep printing paper oh, like we are living in a straw house right now, a house of cards. You can't do that. Like, period. You cannot do that. So, so this stimulus problem is when I, when I see things like this right now, when a guy says the stock market can drop as much as 80%, you know what's 80% stock market drop? So, so, you, so they're sitting there and they're saying, well, you know, 12 more, you know, we're getting to it. We're getting to it. We're getting to it. I almost think behind closed doors, they're sitting there saying, keep saying we're getting it, but I know it's 12 months. Keep saying. So if we go at this pace, the real question becomes this. Say we go at this pace for 12 more months. If 83% cannot pay it right now, how bad can things be in the next 12 months? How bad can it get, Adam? What do you think? Use your imagination. Josh, use your imagination. Very, very bad. What's very, very bad? What's very, very bad? I'm glad that we're going for uh, gun safety training uh, this coming up week. Did you ever think you would go to get a license never like my, that? Never in my life. Never in your life, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not a gun guy. But now, all of a sudden, I'm going to get uh, gun safety training. But are you being sarcastic or are no, you I'm being not, actually not. I mean, I got a sarcastic tone, but it's actually... Tell, tell me... If things get that bad in the next year. But I don't think they're going to get that bad because I think they're going to keep printing printing money. But, but, but that's even worse. That's worse. So, so, so the, the okay. That's so, not worse for today. That's worse for future generations. Bro, you, you don't know, like, listen, it, that time is coming no matter what. Future is coming no matter what. It's not like future generations. Future is four years. In four years, you're 44. Longer I'm 45. That. Yeah. You know, no, no, this is coming. And you can't, you can't keep interest rates at zero and keep printing money and do quantitative easing and give checks away to people. You cannot do that. If you continue doing this, it's basic economics. The value of the dollar drops tremendously. Gold goes up, yet you don't want to go to gold standard. People stop trusting the currency. Currently today, the U.S. currency is backed on a promise. What's the promise? Don't worry about it. I got you. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's, I got you? I got you, bro. Don't worry about it. I'll pay you back. Have you ever done business with somebody and you say, oh, I got you, bro. Don't worry about it. I'll give, here's 10 grand. I'll give, you, I'll, give, I'll give it to you back. That doesn't work that way. Social security. That's where it's going right now. So who's going to take the biggest hit? You, you got the boomers are going to take a hit mm-hmm. because all they're going to do is increase retirement age. So people are watching right now. They're boomers and they're saying, well, let me vote for the guys that give me more social programs. Really? You keep voting that way. Watch your social security benefits go to 75 years old. 401ks. Watch your social security go 75 years old. Watch what happens to your 401k. Watch what happens to all that other stuff. No, there's a different formula. Like now they're talking about schools. Thank God my kids go to a private school. I'm getting an email from school saying, hey, are you guys are you guys open to the idea of opening the school? Yes. What is your biggest concern? Teachers that are above 55 are my concerns. Are you okay if they don't come? Yes. I understand. I understand if I've been so keep the old people at home, stay let home. the young people go and, out. And it's not even the old people, it's the old people that worry about it. There's old people that are not worried about it. There's old people that worry about it. And what do I mean by worry about it? You know, if you're an older person that is concerned about what could potentially happen to your health, okay, yes, I totally get it because you have asthma, you have certain, totally get it. I respect it. I'm not trying to force you to do anything, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to find a market for it, okay? So market for it is what? Let's go find maybe some younger teachers to support us for right now. But kids need to go back to school. And kids are like, 
sitting there. These guys are taking a hit themselves as well. There's so many different consequences. All they're looking at is the following. Here's kind of what it's like. It's kind of like, you know how I'm going to go work out at the gym. And what are you going to do? I'm going to build my biceps. Yet you're trying to, you got legs like this. <laughs> okay. You, if you pay attention only to one thing, seven things take a hit. Yeah. You have to look at the whole picture. They're not looking at the whole picture. Keep giving money away. You don't think four years from now we're going to take a hit? So ben, Catastrophic ben, what could happen here. Ben Shapiro actually read a poll on a show the other day that says that if you're a teenager, like if you're 19 years old or younger, you are 20 times more likely to die of the seasonal flu than you are of COVID-19. Okay? To your point, I think that one of the big things is when you force people or when you – shut down schools what do you force people to do people that could ordinarily work and help the economy thrive are forced to stay home and take care of their children okay so you cripple the economy one one way or the other i mean you're screwing it up and then the other day fauci is being asked by jim jordan and jim jordan says so you're telling people to not go to school yes okay is it fair to because yeah large crowds are not good then jim jordan says so are you also saying that it's not good to protest? He says, I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> Protesting is large crowds. Yeah. If, have you seen this clip or yep, no? Yep. Have you seen it or no? Is it, a, is it a clip of Jim Jordan getting mad and angry? Then, yeah, I've seen that. No, clip. no, no. It's, it's not every a, clip that he's it's ever not, done. It's not, by the way, I love the fact that Tucker Carlson called him out. So I'm not somebody that's a – Tucker Carlson has, has him on his show, and Tucker Carlson says, so what do you think about the big tech? It's terrible what they're doing, all this other stuff. How bad is it? Very bad. Oh, no, no, no. Well, then, money? Jim, if that's the case, why would you take money from Google? <laughs> Why is Google your second biggest uh, contributor to your campaign? Well, I raised $3 million last quarter, and I take money from a lot of different people. And if they want to pay me mm -hmm. money, so then Jim Jordan got nervous. I'm not somebody that's just sitting on one side. All I'm yeah. telling you is, if you're saying kids shouldn't go to school, it's not good. If you're saying large crowds and churches is not good, then why the hell can't you say protesting isn't good? Totally agree. Hypocrisy. Of course. What are you doing? That's dividing America. This is the problem with what's going on right now with these some of these guys. They're playing politics with people's lives. So one of the things I like doing is is uh, playing PBD for president. So rather than complaining, what are your solutions? I'm not saying that we're complaining, but there's a lot of back and forth going on. What do we do? What do we do? PBD's president. We get the orange monkey out of there. What 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 does PBD do, uh, do for first and foremost? You opening you open up the economy. What are we doing? First of all, what am I doing today? It's not about yes. the, you know President Donald Trump. What are, we, what are we doing today? The first thing I would be doing today is I would be finding a replacement for Fauci. Fauci's got too much say right now. He's fired, number one. And then I'm bringing somebody that's got, uh, uh, that they're gonna be a couple people that are gonna debate on their arguments and let us kind of see what's going on. This same doctor, the lady that came out, uh, Stella, Emmanuel, I believe, that came out and said what she said, and her video went viral, and it was taken down, and all these other videos were taken out. Even their website was scrubbed, and it was taken out. You were sharing with us earlier here today. She said something in an interview. She says, you know, I got a question for Anthony Fauci. When's the last time you saw a patient? Because I see mm. patients every day. And when's the last time you saw a patient? And I said, I got a second question for Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'd like to see him come and do a blood test. Because how is it that he's so old and he's not getting sick? Maybe you are taking hydroxychloroquine and none of us know about it. We should do a blood test on you. Ooh. Silence. <laughs> Silence. What? I mean, listen, let me, listen. I have a hard time with the games that's being played. So it, number one is you're getting Fauci out of there is what you're saying. It's too long. We need another person. You didn't fix okay. it. Listen, your recommendation is not working. Every recommendation the president took of yours, it's not working. Let, let, he said masks don't work. He took it. 
Trump closed down China. Okay? They said, no, you don't need to yet. He did it. Then he comes back and he says, hydroxychloroquine. No. Then he comes back and says, okay, you know, now wear masks. Then he goes to a game and he's not even wearing a mask. And he's talking to people saying, what you guys didn't know is I took a COVID-19 test yesterday. Hypocrisy. The two people next to you didn't take the test yesterday. They could give it to you. You're 70-some years old. You're at risk. How much hypocrisy does there need to be with this person here? He needs to get fired and just find another person. It's okay. You did your job. It's time. When a person is in charge, for 40 years he's been the director. 30-something years he's been the director. It's time for somebody else. We don't like presidents to be there for more than how long? Eight years. Why? Because they get old and stale. They get a Not old and process. stale. It has nothing to do with age. Why not eight years? They become corrupt. Because this is, when they told George Washington to go for third term, what did he say? I am not a king. king. Yeah, of course. Okay, you've heard this before. How come we're not treating that with these other things? Why can't we have term limits? I believe when Fauci first got in, I think he did good for the first eight to ten years. Afterwards, politics gets to your head. Power gets to your head. You already are way too disconnected from the reality. Bring the next person that's a person I was seeing patients. So uh, how much say does, uh, does Deborah Burks have compared how, to Fauci? How, when's the last time Burks or Fauci sat down with a patient where they're there seeing what's going on? Why don't you bring somebody that's currently sitting down with, uh, uh, with patients? Okay. Bring somebody that's sitting there right now. But is Fauci still the one calling the shots? Uh, Genuine question. Is no, he's still calling the shots? Is Trump calling the shots? Are you shots? kidding? Of shots? course he's calling the shots. Because Fauci is still? Of, of course Fauci's calling the shots. Because he, the, the situation is a very technical situation for, situation for Trump. Here's why. Because who's the doctor here? Fauci. Yeah. Who's not the doctor? Trump. Okay. So it's Dr. Fauci. It's not Dr. Trump. It's President Trump, but it's Dr. Mm -hmm. Fauci, right? Of course. In this situation, what's more powerful, president or doctor? Got to be doctor. That's the point. Right. So the, the people are saying, well, you're not a doctor. He is. You're right. Let me fire this doctor, and I'm going to bring three doctors. I'm shocked doc he hasn't done that yet. I'm going to bring three doctors. I'm going to bring three doctors, bring three doctors who are seeing patients right now, and let them tell us what's going on. I'm going to bring somebody from New York, somebody from Florida, somebody from Texas, somebody from L.A. Tell us what's going on. What you don't think they doing? have things like that going on? You How about think, Dr. You Bill just, Gates? Do you think it's just Fauci just go? He's got way too much control hey. right now. He's got way too much influence. Okay, so once Fauci's right out, what's step number two? Hold on. Let me, let, me, let me just insert a quick question. Do any of you guys find it weird at all that you have on tape Bill Gates, Fauci, and a bunch of these other people saying – our next big problem in America is not going to be a nuclear war. It's not going to be any sort of military entanglement. Shout out to Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. It's not going to be an entanglement, but it's going to be a virus flu-like pandemic. Does anybody think it's weird that five years ago, three years ago, these guys are saying this on camera? Like, I don't know. Is that weird to you guys at all? What's weird about it? It's weird that they're literally prophesying exactly what's going to happen. I don't know. So what are you saying? I'm saying that I find it highly suspect that out of nowhere that we have this pandemic and now we've got Bill Gates and all these stuff. Like, why in the world is Bill Gates now a leading expert? In fact, I also find it hilarious that over at CNN, they have a pandemic panel, okay, on coronavirus. Do you want to know who one of their experts were? Greta Thunberg. The little 14-year-old or 16-year-old girl on climate change. What is she doing on a panel about this pandemic? Anyways, I'll just show Well, I, I mean, I, 
I'm not in any way defend. I, I don't. I'm not sure what your point was, but I'm sending some people the, down the rabbit hole. The, yeah, you're. You're. That's. You're. This, this, you're, you're making conspiracy theories happen here. This isn't the first pandemic that's been around the world. I mean, the 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 Wuhan thing that's going on right now. What was it a few years ago? It was the bird flu, and then it was the um, what was some other stuff? Swine flu. Swine flu. H1 the pig N1, flu. The H one N one. This isn't the first. Oh, people, the, the people, measles people, outbreak. The people the, in Asia have been wearing, been used to wearing masks. Mad for years cow now. disease, bro. All of that, exactly. And so, how and how how many times did CNN and MSNBC and all these come out and say the world's ending? Oh my God, this is and guess it what? never got to America. And you, this is the first bro, time in America. Mad cow disease was here it, six months ago. If they told me that everyone here was wearing a mask, you'd think people were crazy. Do a, now masks are people are wearing uh, Dior masks. Do and, and a Prada little, masks. do a little fact checking. You're gonna find more people had H1N1 than have coronavirus. More people under Obama had H1N1. More deaths, and guess what? Nobody was talking about shutting down the economy then. Okay, this happens during election years. Every the bird flu, swine flu, mad cow disease, all this stuff happens during election years. It's all distraction. I would absolutely believe you if this were only taking place in America. But Brazil's a mess. Australia's falling apart. There's certain countries. Italy was a disaster. It'd be one thing if it was just going on in America for political purposes. Cool. I get that. But this is everywhere. This is all over the world. So as much as Fauci needs to be replaced. We got to replace people in all different countries. So, and not, but but you, but you got to realize there, there's a, there's a very big difference. And here's what the big difference is: the the most powerful leader in the world is a man who cannot be bought. You can't buy him. Meaning, nobody, no China can come and say, "We'll give you one and a half billion dollars, and we'll take care of Donald Trump Jr. and your daughter, your kids, and hey, wink, wink, take care of us. Let us do more business in the U.S. and abuse the American system. You can't do that with them. He's called them out. And this has been going on for decades with China coming up. It's their fault. U.S.'s fault for allowing China to have this much power and control over U.S. now. And the first guy that stops them because they can't break a deal with them is who? This guy. So China will do whatever he can to get rid of them. Because the only thing that's getting in the way of Made in China 2025 vision becoming a reality, which is what? Being the largest empire, the most powerful empire in the world, is one man. There's only one man in the way of China. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me put it to you this way, bro. In, in the mob, if there's a guy that's got a, a, a scheme that is making money and it's getting in your way and it's in your territory, and you've been able to get that money for a while and somebody else comes and takes that away from you, guess what you have to do with that guy? You have to eliminate him. Now, in that world, it's very simple. You just tell somebody to go take them out, right? Today, you can't do that because a guy that's preventing you from getting that business is a president. It's very problematic on what's taking place with these guys, extremely problematic with what's taking place with these guys. <laughs> Look, uh, again, I'll say this again and again and again. Russia was a country that said, U.S., we hate you, okay? And we're coming after you. Don't screw with us or else. Mm-hmm. China says, no, we don't have a problem with U.S. We're okay with U.S., but uses every single proxy strategy to undermine U.S. Passive-aggressive. If Passive you aggressive. are seeing them as an ally, you are naive. Now, let's finish it off on a good note. Here's the finishing it off on a good note. I open it up by saying they said the number one quality that helps an executive move up. If you remember at the beginning of the whole podcast, we said, what is the number one quality that makes an executive move up? Here's what it said. It said you have to assume that to become an executive of a Fortune 100 company or somebody that builds a company 
an empire of thousands of people. You're hardworking. You have to be. You uh, uh, take care of your people. If you don't, they're going to leave you. You have relationship customer service. No matter what, you have to have that. You have to have some values and principles or else people won't stick with you. But there's one quality above all that helps a company go to the next level, specifically with an executive. Guess what that one quality is? Guess what that one quality is, Mr. Adam Sosnick, which has to do with everything we just did the last hour and 50 minutes. What do you think that one quality is? If you're watching this out there, Value Tenders, if you're watching this podcast right now, there's a few hundred of you right now with us, 384 of you. What do you think is the number one quality that's going to help you move up as an executive? And only three out of 10 executives have this. Only three out of 10 executives have this. What do you think it is? If you have to guess. Kai, what do you think it is? Have I already told you or no? What do you think it is, Sam? I'm going to guess. Go ahead. I think it's the ability to hear both sides, an ability to reason, and the ability to... uh to talk it out uh, under your differences, whatever that word You're is. You're pretty close to it. What yeah. do you th- it is? It is part of that, but it's not processing issues. What do you think it is? But but it's but it's it's a different word. It's an S word. It's an S to word. To be a synergist. Not a synergist. What do you think it is, Sam? Luis, what do you think it is? Josh, what do you think it is? What you got, Josh? Stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> okay, stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> I was just coming up with an S word. Bunch of people are saying. Someone said ball. Someone said uh, people skills. Boldness. Decision-making. Problem solving, empathy, opinionated, not giving a, you know what, leadership, communication, all these things, right? You know what they said it was? Strategic thinking, mm. which is sitting around and coming up with strategies to take the company to the next level. It's my favorite thing to do. So when, when you sit there and you think about this, the number one quality, if you're willing to work your ass off, because like you saw what Ted Turner said, Ted Turner said for 20 years, my office was a penthouse in a building while CNN was below me, and I worked every single day, 24-7, and I went and slept in my house upstairs. That's, that's this guy, right? Love Bill him. Gates, for 20 years, I never took a vacation, okay? You know, war, you, you hear Elon Musk, what he, there is no way you build an empire without being a workaholic, right? But the one thing they all had in common was strategic thinking. So when you're talking about the guy that's at the top right now, or you're talking about election year right now, you have to understand that Democrats have a strategy, and it's not Joe Biden. You, you're not going to beat Joe Biden. It's about, it's about making the audience hate the other guy so much because you have a terrible candidate. <laughs> you have that bad of a candidate. If you had Pete Buttigieg, he's marketable. I'm telling you, I could market him. If you have some other people, you can market. You cannot market the candidate they chose. If you have Michelle Obama, you absolutely have a marketable product. You do not have a marketable product right now. You have to diminish the opponent. So, yeah, if somebody's watching this right now, you're thinking to yourself, man, I want to have some long-term growth in my business and my life. Dude, do whatever you can to become more strategic. And most people say, well, how do I become better at that? Uh, uh, we got three minutes, and I'll wrap it up with this. Here's, here's one thing I can tell you. Long time ago, I told myself, I will not do anything that has to do with negotiation, business, or strategy without having one of my employees or executives watch me handle that situation. So... If there was a confrontation, if there was a challenge, if there was an issue, if there was a money we had to raise, a person we had to fire, something we had to do, I always had a couple of my people sitting next to me. Why? Because it's a part of duplication, right? Like you hear Moral when she does negotiation. If she's on the call, I trust it because I know who sh- trained her. If I see Alexis handling an issue, I trust it. Why? Because Alexis was trained and she knows uh, how to do certain things. If I watch Mario handle certain things, I trust it because I've, I've seen how Mario went from where he was at to where he is. If I watch 
different guys on our team handling it. I've seen how they – this is why right now after this call, we have two minutes to get on a call. We call it a dream team call with 12 of us. We do it every Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we've been doing that for five and a half years. If you get a chance to be around somebody who is constantly strategic and you learn how they come up with processing the issue, you will have a big upside in your career in business because everything's going to come down to coming up with the next big strategy, and it's happening right now in politics. Politics is 100% strategy, nothing more, nothing less. That's what's taking place. So final thoughts, if you're listening to this, if you're going to go invest in any books, go buy in any books courses, anything you can that's going to help you become more strategic.